Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Well, I haven't done that for a while. <laughs> this is a crazy morning. Um, yeah, I logged in and uh, just because, well, I got to explain this. Tuesday nights, I found a place to play some rock and roll. And so it's it's a great gig and it's a, it's like an open mic thing. And so uh, I'm jamming away, having way too much fun. Of course, I didn't get home to like 1230 last night. I'm up at four. Well, maybe five. <laughs> You know, anyway, so I'm up early getting ready for the show. And this is a complex show. I mean, I'll, I'll get serious in a little bit, but uh, I like to start off a little bit lighter just because life is crazy. And so I've thrown a ton of articles together. A bunch of things have happened. And everybody's out today. I mean, uh, normally I have Bill Fecky to start the show. He's going to be back in a few weeks. Uh, we have Wendy Arthur, who just told me a few minutes ago uh, something came up with her. And then Diane Warner is going to be off for a few weeks anyway. So uh, my normal three reporters um, for today are all gone. So it's just me. <laughs> so it's going to be well, – we'll see what happens. It's going to be very interesting to pull this all together. But uh, as I'm looking up articles and I'm, I'm researching things and I'm putting together this very, very dangerous uh, puzzle – uh, in my head of all the things that are happening uh, between psychotropics, uh, school murders, transgenders, and, and all kinds of other stuff that's going on. It's very complex. And it all comes about from the uh, uh, the Nashville murders. And I don't want to call them shootings. We should call them what they are, murders. So uh, a person, you know, who's been surgically, hormonally drug altered, uh, I'm not calling it transgender anymore. It's altered. And so uh, we, we should start to redefine our terms. And, and, and I'm calling it, well, the title of the show today, pretty self-explanatory, I uh, would think. Frankenstein Medicine, Psychotropics, Transgenders, and Murder. And that just came to me a few minutes before the show started, too. So it's, a lot of this is last minute, and this is something we're probably going to be talking about for quite some time. That is what I'm guessing. And so we'll find out, you know, as things go and as things develop, because I'll see how much I can cover today. But uh, well, like I say, I've got three hours. You know, so I got some time. So I have to, I have to sort of pace myself and get through it. Uh, the windows are open, plenty of cold air. <laughs> You're racing in here, so it's, uh, uh, it should keep me going. But um, you know, just just for for rock and roll, just for a brief second, everybody needs an outlet, and especially when you do this kind of work, political work, uh, the, the quickest way to go crazy uh, is to make this your, you know, the only thing you do. And if politics is the only thing you do, you're going to go crazy. You're going to go nuts. And so like everything else, you've got to have balance. You've got to have perspective. What is it uh, uh, Mr. Miyagi used to say in the Credit Kid? Uh, balance. must achieve balance. Uh, like fun. Like fussy. Got that he good balance. Good breathe into nose out through mouth. Hi. Anyway, so um, there are times we have to channel Mr. Miyagi and get some help. And as I do in Yoda and everybody, all, all my other heroes, <laughs> mythical though they may be. Yoda would say be strong in the force, he would. Mm. Anyway, um, so just well, impressions are a hobby. Uh, so uh, this, is what's, uh, this is what's going on. This is what's uh, uh, happening. Let me see if I'm right. What's today? Today is 3, um, 30? No, 29. Trying to keep organized here with my dates and, and shows and stuff like that. No, the pen's not working. All right, here we go. What else can go wrong? <laughs> New pen. All right, so... When you think about what's going on in, in this world today where the, the most common expression conservatives had is if you did this to liberals, they would scream and yell. And, of course, the answer is, well, why are conservatives screaming and yelling? Well, they're starting to. 
something has turned, something has changed. I did a show, I don't know, year, year and a half ago from resistance, from compliance to resistance. When people actually started resisting the mandates and the lockdowns and they didn't, you know, and the masks and the, of course, there are always some of us who are resisting, but it, it, it takes a, a critical mass. It takes a, so like a herd immunity, there's like a herd impunity, <laughs> you know, like, okay, fine. So, so when, when you get herd impunity, well, I'll look up impunity. Let's see if I'm using the right word here properly. Hurt. Let's try impunity. In other words, enough people are, are acting, you know, correctly that uh, it, it starts to have an impact. That's what I'm hoping to get with Action Radio when all you folks start sharing our shows in huge numbers. Uh, exemption from punishment or or freedom from the injurious consequences of an action. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. So in other words, yeah, even though they're trying to arrest you and do that kind of stuff, we're still acting with herd impunity. Uh, that would be great for the the folks that are locked up in the D.C. jail as political prisoners or the D.C. gulag. Isn't it great? Everybody else is calling it the D.C. gulag now, and they're all calling them political prisoners, something we started here, what, two years ago? <laughs> you know, it's, kind of, it's kind of nice to see that uh, the rest of the world is catching up with uh, you know, what we do here on, on, a, on a basis. I, I try and stay ahead. I try and stay six months to a year ahead of everybody else. All right. So this one may or may not be. It just depends on, on, on how it goes. But uh, I came up with the term Frankenstein medicine a little while back for transgenders because that's what's happening. Uh, you're not, first of all, you're not trans, you're not transitioning, you, you're not going from one thing to another, you're just becoming altered, you know, and so I, I, I think we should start calling it alternate, not alternative medicine, because that implies, you know, non-Western, non-petroleum-based, uh, non-Rockefeller medicine, so, but just, uh, but the people themselves have not been tra- transitioned, they've been altered, because they're exactly the same genetically as they were before, you know, they're still male or still female. Uh, there's still men and women or young men and young women or children and, you know, boys and girls. That's a horrible thought. Um, but they're not, they're not, they haven't trans, they haven't become something else. They've just had either exchanged or removed body parts and they've, they've had uh, uh, chemicals, you know, they've had drugs uh, introduced. And, and what I'm finding, um, and I was thinking about this, I was thinking that um, he, you know, back when I was researching, actually a radio show years ago, uh, and then stuff happened, and <laughs> I didn't have a radio show. Not my fault. I just, it was 500 miles away. I couldn't, I couldn't do the commute every weekend. It was just it was impossible. But it was, I was in Bakersfield briefly um, about six months before 9-11 and was hoping to continue that, but uh, circumstances, anyway, it's a long story. Uh, but I had to wait 16 years to get back into radio. And so in 2017, you know, from 2000, you know, started with this. Uh, I was in 2001, whatever it was. I started here uh, in Milton, Florida, March 1st of 2017. Yeah, about 16 years. Yeah, I had to wait about 2001. Yeah, I had to wait about 16 years before I could start my career uh, again. <laughs> you know, anyway, that's a, so I don't mind waiting. You don't think I'm a patient person? You, you have no idea. Uh, I, I'm determined, absolutely determined. You know, I'll wait 50 years to do something I want to do uh, and have done so several times. This included this radio I first wanted to do when I was a teenager. Um, so it's, uh, you know, like I say, you, if you don't, if you never give up, you know, of course the idea of never giving up might, it might take you, you know, 50 years to get where you want to be, but that's, that's the price of never giving up and the, the, the price of actually getting there. That, that's how God knows you're serious. You know, if you never give up, I mean, literally never give up as long as you're breathing, then, uh, you know, eventually somewhere along the way, you know, things, doors do start opening up and it, it's, it's fascinating how that process works. All right. So one of the things I thought about in Bakersfield, and I did a show on this, um, this would be back 2001. Because uh, we've had school murders for a while. Uh, I think Dylan Klebold and the other one, uh, Columbine, was like what really sort of uh, alerted the nation's attention that this is a serious problem. And one of the first that came out, of course, it gets immediately suppressed by the left. But what came out 
was these two uh, were on psychotropic drugs. These are drugs, antidepressants, uh, things like that. Um, you know, for whatever anxiety, anxiety and depression are the two things they're prescribed for. And so you think, okay, well, that's, that's pretty scary. Why would anybody prescribe these things for children? Well, uh, what it comes down to is the left. Uh, the left is creating monsters um, through medicine and so-called, you know, pseudoscience and, and quackery, uh, what I'm now calling Frankenstein medicine. Frankenstein was a monster that was created from, you know, dead humans and body parts put together and electrically charged and uh, away you go. So the monster wasn't the monster. The monster was actually Dr. Frankenstein, the person that created the monster. So who are the people creating the monsters today? Uh, and you look at it, it's transgender movement, you know, which I don't believe is a, is a you know, um, it's not a movement. It's, it's, a, it's a cult. It's, it's a terrifying force. You know, it's an army of people. It's, it's you know, it's, it's the closest thing we have. Oh, this is going to get me in trouble to the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> but that's pretty much what's going on. You've got people that are so brainwashed. And, and, and now I was watching One American News. Uh, Dan Ball had a thing on, you know, transgender vengeance. There's some big rally at the end of the month. Vengeance? Vengeance for what? You know, don't get mad at us. We didn't do it to you. Uh, you did if you're an adult and your parents did if you're a minor. Blame, blame them. You know, I mean, and, and parents need to be held accountable for destroying children. I mean, they really do. You know, if you kill your kids, you go to jail for life. But if you, if you trans them and they commit suicide, then it's just called, you know, uh, you know, so, you know I don't know what, an accident? <laughs> I don't think so. So there, we know there's a connection between psychotropic drugs and mass school shootings because one of the, the symptoms of, of uh, psychotropics uh, is violence, is suicidal and homicidal tendencies. The problem is when the homicidal come before the suicidal, if somebody kills himself, it's a tragedy. If, uh, if somebody kills other people and then kills himself or puts himself in a position where the police will kill them, you know, it's, that's, that's horrible because not, it, it's, it's unbelievably selfish because not only have you killed yourself, which you intended to do anyway, you killed a whole bunch of people too. That's the problem. And so it gets, it gets complex. It gets very interesting when you start putting all this together. So the psychotropics are a problem. Well, uh, let's talk about the, the so-called transgenders or what I'm calling the altered, <laughs> you know. So, so have you had altering surgery? What, what do you mean, altering surgery? Well, you didn't transition because you can't. Okay, so we know that. So let's stop calling it that. We've got to stop calling things, you know, that don't exist. Uh, non-binary. <laughs> it doesn't exist. Everybody's binary. <laughs> okay, you're male or female. Uh, that's binary. Uh, I despise the term cisgender. It sounds too much like sissy, which is something that the left would do to make uh, conservatives feel uncomfortable. Well, guess what? You're right. So I'm not going to use that term either. You'll never hear me uh, except that one time. Um, but uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot of psychology that's going into what's happening. And it's very strange, very, uh, very scary uh, in terms of this, this so-called movement. But here's what gets really interesting. The, the lesbians, gays, and bisexuals. Uh, people that don't alter themselves, okay? You've got perfectly happy gay men, lesbian women, uh, and bisexual men and women who haven't altered themselves at all. Well, I mean, some, uh, you know, if, you, if you take the psychotropics, depression, anxiety, things like that, maybe uh, in terms of, of chemicals. But as far as surgically, no. They're perfectly happy being gay, perfectly happy being lesbian, perfectly happy being bisexual. More power to them. That's okay. I still think marriage, though, is between a man and a woman, but we can talk about that later. But the point is, these people are not, they don't, uh, you know, if they're, they're decent people, obviously they're not going to go after children. They're not pedophiles, uh, except the ones that are, you know, but that's a different story. But, um, you know, but you're talking about, let's, let's talk about typical, well-adjusted, happy, 
um, civil law-abiding, you know, lesbians, gays, trans, uh, start again, Greg, uh, lesbians, gays, and bisexuals. What's interesting is that these folks, there is a growing, and it's not being reported a lot, but it's out there. There's a growing split between lesbians, gays, and bisexuals and so-called transgenders, what I'm going to call altered, uh, because it's totally different things. You know, uh, there's, there's some severe mental health issues. Uh, it's called gender dysphoria. That's the term you've heard, right? In other words, gender confusion. Well, the answer is not surgery and chemical drugs. <laughs> the answer is, you know, get some counseling, think about it, and uh, if you want to address it, the opposite sex, who cares? We used to call that cross-dressing or transvestites. We even made a movie that was fun. About, well, we, I didn't, but there was even a movie that was made fun of, you know, uh, the, of, of transvestites, you know, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, you don't see that anymore. How come? Why can we not see the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Well, because I'm sure the, the modern altered community, in other words, the transgenders, would scream and yell and go, that's prejudicial. You know, they, they talk about uh, genocide against transgenders. Well, genocide is the mass killing of millions of people. Okay? I don't see the mass killings of millions of people. What I see is people who want to kill, you know, millions of others. And that would be the, the altered uh, vengeance-seeking crowd. And that's very dangerous. So the other statistic that, that popped out recently is that 40% or more of altered uh, folks have attempted suicide. Well, that's, that's, a, that's huge. That's a predisposition, um, you know, to some, some severe mental health issues. So let's combine, let's try to put these things together. What, happened, what do you do with mental health issues? You get psychotropic drugs. Okay, what does that, what that call? You know, homicidal and suicidal tendencies. So you take people that already have mental health issues because they've been told they're confused on their gender. And they might just be, you know, confused about a bunch of different things. Aren't we all? I'm confused about all kinds of things. It's not a mental health issue. I just have things that I'm, I'm questioning, things that I don't understand. I don't understand transgender. I don't understand people, you know, rearranging body parts and think that's going to make a difference. Um, although we had a person who was transgender on the show and she was perfectly happy. That's great. Or he was perfectly. I think it was. I think he was, he started off as a he, uh, and then uh, went through the trans. You know, went through the the, the altering surgery and uh, you know drug treatment, and, and they're fine. Well, they're consenting adults. So okay, no problem. But what's interesting is that there was somebody on again. Dan Ball had a had a guest in Florida, gays against groomers. So this is a really interesting group because the lesbian, gay, bisexual community can't stand what's happening uh, with transition with so-called transitioning or altering children. Uh, they find that as disgusting as everybody else finds it disgusting, except for the people doing it. <laughs> so there's a, there's a big split right there, and that's interesting to explore too. So anyway, so you combine depression, anxiety, which is something that people have, uh, and then they're told that they're the wrong gender, that if they simply you know, surgically alter their bodies and chemically alter their brains um, that, uh, and their bodies, that uh, they're going to be fine. They're going to feel great. Uh, that seems to me irrational and impossible. If somebody has a mental health issue and you bring about a physically altering solution, you're still left with a, a person who has, still has mental health issues, uh, but they're physically altered permanently and they can't go back. They can never retrace who they were. That to me would bring about anger, uh, like huge anger, huge resentment, hatred potentially. Okay, let's build this up. Hatred, hatred for being altered, for never being able to go back to who they were, with anxiety and depression, taking psychotropic drugs, you know, with uh, homicidal and suicidal tendencies, uh, and the fact that they're, you know, and, and you put all this together, and what do you get? You get the Nashville uh, murders in a Christian church, school, you know, three adults and three children by somebody who was probably on psychotropics. We'll find out. 
um, definitely was altered, uh, obviously has mental health issues, and went in and killed people. Now, the whole gun aspect, the, the guns are like the least part of this. They were just the tools. They were the influence of destruction. But the real destruction um, between the parents, the schools, the counselors, the psychologists, the surgeons, the doctors who prescribe the, the medicine, they, they're the ones who created this monster. And this is what I'm calling a Frankenstein medicine. So that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with, with, with Frankenstein medicine. In other words, the creation of monsters. And who is the real evil monster? The doctor. The doctor is the criminal. It's not Frankenstein. The monster is, is the sympathetic one. <laughs> the monster in, in, in Mary Shelley's book, Frankenstein, the, the, the monster is the victim. <laughs> okay? The same thing in, in, in um, Young Frankenstein with Mel Brooks. I mean, I hate it. Two funny films that came out about the same time. Actually, a couple of them. Um, well, the three films are, well, maybe three. Rocky Horror Picture Show, Young Frankenstein, and Blazing Saddles. Now, you don't see Blazing Saddles anymore either on TV. Why? Because every other word's the N-word, except they actually say it. Because back in the 80s, it was funny. You know, obviously, if you say it as an insult in a derogatory term, it's, it's highly volatile. We know that. But in, in, when Mel Brooks, the, the Jewish guy, said it, it was funny. <laughs> you know, hey, what are you talking about? Well, shut up, slut, what? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, but uh, those of you who know, so but back in those days, we could make fun of things. Then today, people have no sense, the left has no sense of humor, none. And so if I start calling transgender folks altered, uh, or if I start making fun of transgenders, saying, wait a minute, you people, you know, you really, uh, uh, what's well, hard to make fun of, because it's such a tragic thing. I don't, I don't really, you know, I think about it, I don't really see the humor. Anyway, I got a bunch of articles. And again, I got three hours to present these. So I'll, I'll break up the show today, uh, hopefully with callers. Uh, I've got live chat. The live chat's wide open. And it looks like Calman, uh, in fact, I just turned it on after my rant. Let's see what Calman, Calman, you might, might as well call in. I've got, if you've got time. To, um, <laughs> he says, I was just say, Trank, Fent users, oh my God, zombies. Yeah, you got to explain that one. Um, he says, you know what we, what you say about psychotropic drugs makes me kind of think. Uh, was that guy who shot Shinzo Abe in Japan on antidepressants? Very possible. Shinzo Abe was the prime minister of Japan. Um, and unless he was president, I think he was prime minister. Then he says, uh, keep it away from the kids. Yep. And Kalman says, I actually have a friend who transitioned to a male. I never dis- disagree with him. I supported him. I just I was concerned about the younger kids. Well, again, if an adult wants to, I don't, I don't say transgender anymore. Like I said, I'm going to start using the term altered. Uh, if, if somebody wants to become altered uh, and they're an adult and they're consenting and they don't have dependents, especially like kids, you know, uh, if you're a single adult, uh, I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't stop people in a family from doing it. I think it's better that single people do this because now you don't have dependents. Uh, and how about if you're, how if you're married to somebody, you know, uh, Calman, what'd you do? If, if, uh, if you're married to, uh, uh, to a woman that, uh, you know, surgically altered to, to, uh, try and be a guy, would you stay married? I think the obvious answer is no. So this is, I think this is happening to a lot of single folks. Then it says, a friend, you know, like I say, it's not transition. Let's just start calling alter a friend who altered. Okay, they altered their body uh, with surgery and drugs. And then it says, kids don't even know what music they like till ten. So why self mute? Yeah, kids, you gotta stay away from the kids. You gotta stay away from the kids. You gotta leave the kids alone. And this is why this guy groomers, uh, gays against groomers, was so important because the lesbian, gay, bisexual people that are, uh, um, I forgot what it was. But they're not, they don't have mental illness. They're just gay, lesbian, or bisexual. 
you know, who are adults, responsible adults, are completely different than the trans people that want to mutilate kids. That's a completely different category. Uh, Marco checks in from, uh, from the Netherlands. He's here, too. He says Mel Brooks. <laughs> That's pretty funny. All right. Uh, so I don't want to think about that hypothetical situation. I forgot what I said. So that's what's going on in the live chat this morning for those of you who are listening to the podcast who can't get the show live um, because you didn't. <laughs> so you missed live chat. All right. Let me start with my first article here. And let's see. And uh, I'll keep the live chat window open so I can keep watching it. The, the only problem is it's bright. So it's very distracting. And when I have an article, it covers it up. And so I can't always see. Uh, what's there? So let's talk about. Is it the one I want? Let me see where to, where to put it. Where to Frankenstein? Uh, here we go. Okay, so let's start with this one, and I think you'll find it fascinating. And and so Frankenstein, the the, the creation of monsters by monsters, or, or the creation of victims by monsters. So is the, is the murderer a victim? No, the the person that uh, shot up. And I don't mention names, by the way. I do not mention names of mass murderers. I just don't. Uh, it's just, it's always been my policy. I don't glorify these people. I don't want them immortalized. I want them forgotten as quickly as possible and basically erased from history, except to study them to try and figure out how to, how to prevent the next one. So ethics, yeah. this is from Stanford medicine. This is, you know, this is not a, a fly by night, you know, made up source. This is Stanford medicine. This is Stanford school of medicine. Uh, the folks that I consulted before getting open heart surgery. Okay, so th- these are these are the good folks, right? So I guess Stanford Medicine, Harvard Medicine, Yale Medicine, you know, the, the really great places. Uh, they kind of screwed up over COVID, but you know, we can talk about that later. Ethics, Winter 2018, Why Frankenstein Matters: Frontiers in Science, Technology, and Medicine, by Audrey Schaefer, M.D. Uh, and this is from February 26th of 2018. So this would have been Trump's second year. So this is why Frankenstein matters. I'm going to skip all the first stuff because it doesn't matter. Let's, let's talk about uh, the second part, which I think is more interesting for us. A framework for examining morality and ethics. Frankenstein is not only the first creation story to use scientific experimentation as its method, but it also presents a framework for narratively explaining morality and ethics of the experiment and experimenter. While artistic derivations such as films and performances and literary references have germinated from the book for the past 200 years, that would be Frankenstein by Mary Shelley, right? The current explosion of references to Frankenstein in relation to ethics, science, and technology deserves scrutiny. See, I'm not the first to think of this, okay? But I'm still going to, but I I don't know if anybody, how many people are are calling altering um, surgery and and, uh, drugs as, uh, instead of transgender, but saying it's either Frankenstein, I've been calling it Frankenstein medicine for a while, or just, we're just calling it altered people. You know, you're not transitioned, you're altered. Uh, you're different than you were, but you're not where you think you, you haven't transitioned. You haven't become anything uh, new in terms of humanity. You're still, you know, a female, just uh, altered chemically and uh, surgically. He, she says, science is by its very nature an exploration of new frontiers, a means to discover and test new ideas and an impetus for paradigm shifts. Science is equated with progress, <laughs> not under COVID, right? Well, COVID hadn't hit yet. COVID was, it was a year away. This is why this is interesting. Science is equated with progress and with advances in knowledge and understanding of our world and ourselves. Although a basic tenet of science is to question, there is an underlying belief embedded in words like advances and progress that science will better our lives. <laughs> oh, boy. Safeguards, protocols, and institution uh, approvals by committees educated in the horrible and numerous examples of unethical experiments done in the name of science are used to prevent a lone wolf like Victor Frankenstein 
from undertaking his Garrett experiments. I'm not sure that word. G-A-R-R-E-T. Let me look that up. What's a Garrett experiment? That's new to me. Hang on. So I have a dictionary online. G-A-R-R-E-T. Garrett. Top floor of an attic room, especially a small, dismal one traditionally inhabited by an artist. Oh, a top floor antique room. So this would be somebody hidden away in a top floor uh, attic room, especially a small, dismal one. Reminds me of the portrait of Dorian Gray. If you haven't seen the movie, watch it. it you want to talk about science gone mad? <laughs> That's a good one right there. So where's my, where's my Garrett here? Um, his Garrett. Oh, yes, there we go. So this is talking about lone wolf like Victor Frankenstein from undertaking his Garrett experiments. Indeed, it is amusing to think of a mock institutional review board approval process for a proposal he might put forward. Well, that'd be interesting. But these pr- protections can only go so far. It is impossible to predict all of the consequences. Of, you hear the law of unintended consequences? Well, this is it, right? All of the consequences of our current and future scientific and technologic advances. We do not even need to speculate on the potential repercussions of, for example, the creation of a laboratory-designed self-replicating species. Oh, that'd be great. As we can look to unintended consequences of therapies such as the drug thalidomide. Yeah, that was a really... Uh, wonderful invention, and controversies over gene therapies. Mm -hmm. This tension, this acknowledgement that unintended consequences occur is unsettling. Um, Yeah, how about uh, the COVID vaccine? (laughs) You want to talk about unintended consequences? Far more dangerous than COVID. Far more dangerous. Uh, Far more deadly than COVID. And yet that's that's what the government is still saying. Well, you better take this. You don't get COVID. You know, what does COVID do? Well, it makes you sick. It made me sick for about three days. That was it. A cold can do that. You know, but uh, anyway, science, back to the article, science and technology have led to impressive improvements in health and health care. People I love are alive today because of cancer treatments unknown decades ago. Yeah, I still think they, they found a cure for cancer a long time ago, but uh, uh, treatments are so, uh, so profitable that uh, they don't actually cure the disease. But I bet, that, I, bet, I bet that, you know, you can't study something that long and put that much money into it and not pretty much have figured out what's going on. I just don't believe it, you know, but that's another story. Another show. And she, she says, we are incredibly grateful to the medical scientists who envisioned these drugs and who did the experiments to prove their effectiveness. As an anesthesiologist, huh. <laughs> yeah, you don't have a good rapport with your patients, do you, when you're an anesthesiologist because everybody you, you see you knock out. It's kind of interesting, actually. I wonder, I wonder what the mental health of anesthesiologist is, but I digress. She says, as an anesthesiologist, they care for patients at vulnerable times in their lives. I use science and technology to render them unconscious and to enable them to emerge from an anesthetized state. Yeah, when I had heart surgery, I was clinically dead for four hours. Stop my heart, stop my lungs, put me on a machine, a ventilator. <laughs> oh, God. Um, fixed my heart and then brought me back out again. Thank you. Really appreciate that last part. She says, but as the frontiers are pushed further and further, the unintended consequences of how science and technology are used could affect who we are as humans the viability of our planet, and how society evolves. Well, let's talk about the whole uh, altering uh, idea of transgenderism. You're taking people, telling them that God put them in the wrong body, that, uh, that all of their issues, their mental issues, can be caused by physically altering them and behave the rest of their lives. I can't tell you what a big lie that is. And it, it's proving um, that the, the anger and resentment and hatred that is generated, I think, by this, but uh, is, is what's being projected on everybody else. Christians, okay? This is a huge hate crime. What happened in, uh, uh, in Nashville? The school shooting. Who shoots nine-year-olds that isn't filled with hatred? 
that doesn't have uh, severe mental problems, that probably is suffering from depression and anxiety, and anxiety, especially over the fact that they were altered, you know, and who knows what the consequences of that are, plus the psychotropic drugs, which we know have homicidal and suicidal tendencies, um, and the fact that uh, 40% of the altered uh, transgender uh, attempt suicide anyway. So you put all that together, that's Frankenstein medicine. That's how you create a monster. And that's how six people die. Seven, if you count the murderer, uh, which I try not to. Anyway, it says, uh, it says, in terms of health, medicine, and bioengineering, Frankenstein resonates far beyond defibrillation. So that was the earlier part of the article that talked about how you can, you know, do Frankenstein medicine. And that was creating a monster, having it jump start your light with electricity. So initially, she, this is why I didn't read that part. Talked about defibrillation. In other words, the, the paddles, you know, or the AEDs that you see in the various public places where you can get your heart jump started uh, by an electric charge. Uh, those are actually really cool machines, by the way. Um, I learned how to use one of those years ago. And uh, it's pretty self-explanatory. You open it, you connect the, the, the leads, the wires, you push a button, and it tells you what to do. Uh, and then it, it gives an automatic jolt uh, if that's recommended. And if not, it doesn't. So the, the, learn how to use, if you're, if you're in a public building or an office, if you don't have an AED, get one. Uh, they're very simple, very straightforward, and uh, very effective. Saving lives. I wonder if they have one uh, for, for Daryl. What's his name? The, uh, the football player. I wonder how he's doing, by the way, too, the one that had the COVID jab and, uh, I, and then collapse of a heart attack uh, after getting up you know, from tackling somebody. No, it wasn't because he was hit. He did the hitting, which is kind of fascinating, too. So back to Frankenstein. Uh, Frankenstein resonates far beyond tribulation. These resonate. Well, actually, let me hold up for a second. Let me check the live chat, see if we've got a bunch more comments. I might. Okay, here we go. So um, let me see. Oh, Calman's been very busy typing. So let's, let's see if we can get all caught up here. Uh, so you know what you say about psychotropic? Oh, I got that. Away from the kids. Yep. He says, I actually have a friend who has trans. Man, we read that. Kids, all right, we read that one too. So then we got, uh, all right, so Melbourne. Oh, here we go. He says, I don't want to think about that, that hypothetical, situa- hypothetical situation, my wife being a man. <laughs> most guys don't want to think about that. I don't think most women want to think about their, 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 their husband being a woman. Uh, short-term memory? Yeah, okay. Uh, and so kind of just agreed, forgot what that was. Yeah, it says, nature isn't right. Yeah, okay, funny how it always finds a way. Yeah, no, no kidding. You know, it's amazing. Uh, then we've got disgruntled, chemically unbalanced individual sucks, but it's the Second Amendment, can't change it. Uh, no, let me, let me respond to that right now. Uh, AED, only if patient is responsive. Actually, AED, only if patient is unresponsive. <laughs> you know, that you use an AED when somebody's had a heart attack and passed out. You don't use it on a person whose heart is beating and they're awake. So, yeah. So let's talk about the Second Amendment for a second. I'll clear up this right away because this is good. No, of course you can't change. Well, you can change the Second Amendment through an amendment process. I hope it's never done. But the Second Amendment has nothing to do with what what happened here. In fact, the Second Amendment has nothing to do with crime. Never has, never will, except the prevention of it uh, in terms of self-defense. Okay? What does the Second Amendment say? And this is why it's fascinating when the left says, uh, well, the the problem is there's too many guns. You know, the problem is uh, the Second Amendment. The problem is people have the the right to keep and bear arms, and, and then somebody buys a gun and kills people. Okay? Those events have nothing to do with each other. The Second Amendment and buying a gun to kill people are two totally unrelated events. The idea of buying a gun is part of the Second Amendment, but the idea of killing people is not. That is completely disconnected from the Second Amendment. Let me explain how so people understand this and and can relate, and we'll just uh, use this argument forever. It's very simple. First of all, number one, all rights 
are absolute. They're absolute as stated within the context of the right. Anytime Brandon says, well, the Second Amendment is absolute, what he's saying is it's not a right at all. We will tell you what your rights are. We will tell you that you can't have a fully automatic weapon. Well, that's unconstitutional. We will tell you that you can't have a certain barrel length or a certain, you know, uh, certain operational style semi-automatic or a certain number of rounds in a magazine. We will tell you that. And what, what he's really saying is you don't have a Second Amendment. We don't care. We will tell you what it is. Well, the minute the government says we can put reasonable restrictions on rights, we, can, we have a compelling state interest to, to uh, deny you your constitutional rights because there's a public health emergency. You know, we can suspend or restrict the Constitution. None of that is true. Rights are absolute or they're not rights at all. But let's look at the context of the Second Amendment. What does the Second Amendment say? The right of the, forget the first part. Uh, well, I mean, I can include that if you want, but it really, the key to the Second Amendment is that the right of the people to keep and bear arms can't be touched. So what is keeping and bearing? Owning and carrying. Does the Second Amendment say using? No, it doesn't. And it doesn't for a good reason, because using firearms can never be a right. Using firearms, and the reason it can't be a right, is because using firearms is broken down into legal and illegal uses of firearms. And because it's legal and illegal uses of firearms are broken down in law, that becomes statutory law. Well, the Constitution is superior to statutory law. So because the uses of firearms can never be a right, because if, if, if the, the use of a firearm was a right, then all uses, because all rights are absolute. So that, this actually works out really well, logically. So you put uses of firearms under statutory law. Well, statutory law is under the Second Amendment. So as long as your statutory law, the uses, covers actual uses, you know, legal uses, self-defense, target shooting, hunting, collecting, gunsmithing, running a gun store, Second Amendment uses of firearms, and covers illegal uses, brandishing, murder, extortion, carjacking, mass killing of, of people in schools. Those things are all illegal uses. The, the breakdown is in statutory law. What cannot be touched is the right to keep and bear arms. And the reason that can't be touched is because if you need arms to defend yourself, they have to be instantly available. And that's why the Second Amendment is an absolute right to keep and bear arms. But using them comes under statutory law, which is subordinate. What that means is that any law that infringes, that touches your right to keep and bear is automatically unconstitutional. Gun control is automatically unconstitutional because it, it infringes on the right, which is absolute, to keep and bear with statutory law, which is subordinate, covering use. Does that about cover it? Hope so. All right. Let me uh, take a little break here. I'm going to take a bunch of breaks. Uh, uh, oh, here we go. Here's one from, from Marco in, in the Netherlands. AED only patient is responsive. Like, I thought it was unresponsive. Oh, he says... Um, Marco says, if this is right from the Netherlands, he says, if he is unresponsive, heart massage. Uh, I think, I think you mean CPR, cardiopulmonary resuscitation. He says, uh, AED is for regulating the heart when it is, I don't know the English term. Okay. No, an AED is a, is an automatic something electric defibrillator. An AED is a jumpstart of the heart. When somebody's heart has stopped, 
you give them uh, the AED and that jump starts their heart again. And didn't you guys watch TV? Remember Emergency? Some of the medical shows, they, they, they slap some paste on these things. They put these paddles and they, they, they mush them together and they say clear and everybody backs off and then they uh, put them on the, the chest and boom, you know, and the, the person like jumps up and down from a huge electric shock. That's, a, that's basically a big AED. All right. It is now 736. 736. First break. And then I'll get back to this article. And then we're going to, oh boy, we're, actually, I might need all three hours to cover what I want to cover this morning. It's kind of interesting. Uh, but we shall see. So we'll go back to Frankenstein medicine uh, and, those, and the altered, psychotopically drugged, um, angered, resentment, hatred, and then uh, eventually get to uh, the murder uh, of, uh, of the school kids and the teachers. Be back in just a little bit. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. 
You can email them at gracecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Grace Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Radio. Dangerously cool. You know, it's funny, of all the discussions I thought we'd have this morning, uh, AEDs was not one of them. <laughs> you know, the automatic uh, external defibrillators, that's what it is. Anyway, so we got Marco uh, in the Netherlands talking to Calman here. <laughs> so we're doing international conversation about something. He's like, how did you guys get onto this? I, don't, I have no idea. All right. So let me get back to my, my article on Frankenstein. I think it makes sense. And I think tying all these things together uh, actually makes a lot of sense. And this is why I, I put these in my brain. And so this is what came out. Uh, so, so Frankenstein resonates far beyond defibrillation. These resonances include genetic engineering, mm-hmm. tissue engineering, transplantation, transfusion, artificial intelligence, robotics, bioelectronics, virtual reality, uh, cryo, cryonics, I guess that's freezing people, uh, synthetic biology, and neural networks. Uh, these fields are fascinating, worthy of exploration. Uh, fascinating, worthy of exploration. Okay, come on. There we go. Let's look at my uh, thing here. He says, we as physicians, healthcare providers, scientists, and people who deeply value what life and health mean cannot shy away from discussions of the potential implications of science, technology, and social contexts, which give new capabilities and inventions or interventions even greater complexity. Not much is clear, but that makes the discussion more imperative. Okay, even the call clear, the ritual removal of physical contact with the patient just about to receive a shock, that would be from a defibrillator, uh, is not so clear as researchers scrutinize whether interruptions to chest uh, compressions are necessary for occupational safety. That is, it may be deemed safe in the future for shocks and manual compressions to occur simultaneously. Well, that's interesting. So we need to discuss big questions surrounding what is human uh-huh, and the implications of these questions. What do we think about the possibility of sentient, in other words, human, non-humans, enhanced beyond our limits, more sapient than homo sapiens, who or what will our great-grandchildren be competing against to gain uh, entrance to medical school? 
studying and discussing works of art and imagination, such as Frankenstein, and exchanging ideas and perspectives with those who ex- whose expertise lies outside the clinic and laboratory, such as artists, humanists, social scientists, radio talk show hosts. No, I'm sorry. I added that. <laughs> but why not, right? Humanists, social scientists can contribute not just to an awareness of our histories and cultures, but also help us probe, examining our, and discover our understanding of what it means to be human. That much is clear. Well, does it mean, does human mean altered? Yes, you're still human, but you're not the human you started out being. Okay. In other words, uh, I think the big reason that the, the, the gay, lesbian, bisexual uh, folks are not associating with, and they, they say it's limited, I think it's a lot bigger than we're hearing right now, with people who are calling themselves transgender who have been medically altered, uh, is that uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual people are not medically altered. Um, they're just different. <laughs> okay. You know, which is fine. No problem. Um, but... Uh, and again, as long as they are consenting adults and not messing with kids, I don't care. Same thing with anybody. So heterosexuals as well. But when it comes to the, the altered, what we're calling transgender, um, what, what has happened to their humanity? You know, if you don't have, you know, we start off with the mind and body that God, that God gives us. All right. Now, if you, you can change that yourself, you can kill yourself. That takes away the body that God gave you and your spirit as well. Um, I'm not sure how that all works. I just talked to Wendy about uh, God and suicide. Be interesting to see what scripture says, but uh, but in terms of are we are we dehumanizing by taking people, telling them that they can alter themselves chemically and surgically, that they can transition to a gender which can't be done, and that because of something that medical science wants to do, whose aim literally cannot be done, um, does that you know who are the monsters? And who are the victims? Well, I think the, the folks that are calling themselves transgender are the victims, and the people doing it to them are the monsters. So the left, I mean, how dangerous, I've always said the left is, is the most dangerous force out there. Trump actually admitted it, too, that uh, the, the woke Marxist, you know, communists out there in government is our, is our biggest threat. It's absolutely true. So the left are the ones that everybody to psychologists. It's the left that puts everybody on psychotropic drugs. You need these. You've got to have these drugs out there. It's the left that is pushing people to alter themselves and calling it transgender. It is the left that has now caused an entire group of people to want vengeance, to think there's genocide against them. These people with severe mental issues that should be handled as a mental, as a mental health issue and not a physical issue, uh, except for physical in terms of nutrition, diet, exercise, you know, things that would actually benefit them. But changing somebody's body, I don't see it. And like I said, and I've had a, a perfectly happy person who calls herself transgender on the show and I was happy to have her on. Not a problem. Okay. Consenting adult, go for it. But, um, but I think, I think there are severe problems with doing this. All right. So let's, let's talk about, let me see what else I've got here now. Uh, I'm going to save this, these articles because this particular one is are the later articles. Let's get the earlier. Let's get the details of what happened um, in, uh, in Nashville. And for that, I need to get another set of articles. So let's see. We got. Let's start with. Where should we start here? Let's start with this one. So this is. I heard a noise in your conservative review. And so we're just, I'm just going to go through these articles. I got the post here as well. So time here is 7:47. Well, that's interesting. One of my favorite airplanes. Uh, conservative review. Uh, this is a part of the Blaze Media News, and it's March 27th, so this would have been two days ago. 
Are we 29th? Yeah, I guess this happened. Then. I guess this happened two days ago. Headline: Transgender identifying Nashville. Uh, transgender identifying. They're not saying transgender. They're saying transgender identifying. So I would say altered. Nashville school shooter had manifesto map multiple firearms. Okay. Again, the right to keep and bear is absolute, but using firearms is statutory, and they're legal and illegal uses. And this whole idea, we should talk about the idea of prevention. People say, well, I mean, if somebody's dangerous, you, you, you have to tell the authorities and have the guns taken away. Oh, wait a minute. Are more people who are honest, law-abiding citizens going to be victims who lose their guns and lose their protection to, say, stalkers who call the police? First thing a stalker would do is disarm their victim. You know, call the police and say, you know, so-and-so is dangerous. They've got guns. Get rid of them. Okay? So is it worth denying honest, law-abiding citizens, you know, their rights across the entire nation um, to suddenly, you know, use this, uh, this prior restraint. Now, if you can stop on these people, that's a great thing. But I don't have all the answers on this one. So this is, you want know, to talk about confusion? Here's where I'm confused. How do we maintain the rights of the law-abiding, which are the vast majority of people, 99.9 whatever percent, and, and still do what we can to stop the murder of kids and the adults too. I'm not going to say anything less against them. But in other words, what you have to do is find a way to stop the criminals without sacrificing the rights of the law abiding who are by far the majority because that is a crime committing two crimes, you know, uh, is, is, is not the answer. So I don't, I'm not sure what the answer Well, let's think about this. We'll have to work this one through. Let me get to the article by Michelle blood, B L O O D. That's unfortunate. <laughs> Sorry, Michelle, uh, national authorities held a press conference late Monday afternoon during which they revealed details about the mass shootings at the Covenant School that took the lives of three children and three adults. The suspect now deceased is a 28-year-old, well, they say female, as I understand um, they, <laughs> I say they because I, I use the pronoun they when I'm not sure. I think they started life as a male, uh, remained a male, uh, altered to, to appear as a female, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll leave the, we've already talked about the rest. I'll just, for convenience sake, let me just read the article. The suspect, now deceased, is a 28-year-old female who lived in the Nashville area. Chief Drake reported that the attack was targeted and that the suspect did identify as transgender. Well, first of all, it's interesting that they said that. Now, maybe it's the fact that it's a, it's a black cop that said that is a, who's going to be immune from, uh, you know, white person charges of, of, of racism. Uh, I there's something weird going on in this country where certain people can say things. That's why black people can say the N-word and white people can't because there's, there's different permissions, you know, based on your group, what you can do. So maybe the black police chief could say that the 28-year-old female targeted her attackers and identified as transgender. That's kind of interesting. I don't know. Article says Chief Drake reported an investigation at the suspect's residence is, is underway and that authorities have made contact with the suspect's father who lives at that residence. So first of all, you got a 28 you know, year old person living at home. That in itself should tell you something. Okay. 28 year olds should be living on their own. You know, I was basically on my own since I went to college at 17, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, I was home in the summertime, but for all intents and purposes, you know, I was, I was, you know, taking care of myself uh, from about the age of 17 on. And so, yeah, interesting. All right. Is that the, is that the whole article? Oh, wait, where's the rest of it? That's it. Uh, where's the manifesto? <laughs> 
But am I missing part of this? Hang on. Let me check down here. Read more. Oh, let me click the more button. Let me, oh, there we go. Chief Jake reported an investigation of the suspect's residence is underway, and the authorities have made contact with a father who lives there. Quote, there were maps drawn of the school in detail of surveillance, entry points, etc. Well, that's premeditation, uh, said Chief Drake, adding that entry was gained through one of the doors. Yeah, but if you look at the videos, the entry was gained because she blew the locks off, or he, they, the perpetrator, the perp, shot the locks. Okay, so you can say, well, we're going to lock our schoolhouse. We'll be safe. No, this person shot the locks and broke in. Interesting. Chief Drake said, back to the article, Chief Drake said one of the, vic- the child victims was eight years old, about to be nine. A previous release, you know, the three children were nine years old. Yeah, is, is, isn't, I don't know, between eight and nine, is it any more or less tragic? <sighs> Sorry. Chief Drake praised the first responders who bravely and immediately went in to address the threat, uh, as opposed to, oh, I don't know, Stoneman Douglas in Florida uh, and Uvalde, where they sat outside and uh, in one case, you know, put hand sanitizer on. You know, and talk to each other because uh, what they didn't want to go in because it might not be safe. Yeah, people are dying, and they're, they're you know they're saying, well, we can't go in. You know, don't have enough people. We haven't uh, coordinated the situation. We haven't contained it. Yeah, give me a break. You just sat outside because you're a bunch of cowards. All right, the shooter had multiple rounds of ammunition and was prepared for a confrontation with law enforcement and prepared to do more harm than was actually done. Oh yeah, she, he, they would have killed uh, until they were stopped. Quote, we would never wait to make entry and go and to go in to stop a threat, uh, especially when it deals with our children. That's the chief. I like the chief. She's pretty cool. She's good. A lot better than the chief in Broward County, uh, Stoma Douglas School, who uh, bravely told his uh, police officers, officers to wait 45 minutes or more uh, and still kept his job and was fired for a while. Article says the shooter had two AR-style weapons, one a rifle and one an AR-style pistol, and the other was a handgun. Chief, that's Chief Drake, added that uh, two of the firearms may have been legally obtained. Okay, well, yeah, uh, legal, the, the idea of legally obtaining a firearm, in fact, before anybody commits a, a murder, you know, and they've never committed a crime, they're gonna, they can legally buy firearms at 28 years old, okay? That's not the gun store's fault. That's not the gun manufacturer's fault. That's not the ammo manufacturer's fault. It's the fault of the, the person who then used those firearms to murder people. You know, there's people, I think they have, the, the left has this idea that if we suddenly take away all the guns, that if we, if we prohibit all the honest law-abiding citizens from exercising their rights, that either this will solve the problem, or maybe it solves a different problem. Maybe the problem they're trying to solve is that they just don't want anybody else having guns uh, because they're not dependent. That's an interesting thought. Oh, okay, so then I've got, uh, all right. So if you put something on live chat, it goes out to everybody? It's not, it doesn't go, go directly to me. So just a little precaution there. You, you, you feel free to delete your comment, um, but, uh, or I can do it for you. Um, so let me just delete that one. Yeah, let's take that one. Uh, okay. So keep in mind, folks, that what you put on live chat goes to everybody, <laughs> everybody who's listening. Uh, I don't think it goes in the podcast, um, but uh, yeah, I just deleted it. Um, send, if you don't send stuff to me directly, greg at writeyourlaws.com. That's my email. All right. Uh, that's what I was saying. What creates uh, precedence for seizure? Good question. So, so let's put that question out there. So if you know somebody uh, has violent tendencies, if you know they're a problem, if you know they have the potential to do this, can you report that person? I think you can, but you're reporting the person. But it takes a a judge, a decent judge, and a due process um, 
process, you know, to analyze whether it's somebody vindictively wanting to take somebody's guns because they're in divorce court, uh, or it's a stalker who wants to take somebody's gun so they can't defend themselves. You really have to analyze why. So if you're going to bring in the authorities, you have to be doing it for the right reason. And the person who's doing the bringing, the person who's raising the issue that somebody else is dangerous and needs to be watched, needs to be investigated themselves. Okay, so in other words, if I reported somebody, if I wanted to report somebody who I thought was dangerous uh, and they investigated me, great, go for it. First of all, I'm on the air. Everybody knows what I say. Uh, But secondly, motivation. Why are, you know, that'd be the first question that should be asked. Why are you reporting this person? Oh, they're my ex and I want to have all their guns taken because I'm vindictive and, you know, mean. (laughs) No, that's not going to happen. So the question is, is is how do we get this to be a... um, a due process situation. Like anything else, you're innocent until proven guilty. I still don't believe in seizing guns. Uh, if the person is a problem, then you seize the person. Um, if the person's not a problem, then you leave them alone. And in a society, and even in, in communist societies where they don't have guns, uh, you'll notice how many people are killed with guns. <laughs> okay. So all those countries that, that don't have guns, you know, uh, murderers still get guns. So the idea of trying to, take, to prevent all crimes, it's not going to happen. You're not going to prevent all the crimes. So what you have to do is be able to deal with a crime, um, you know, with armed people in school, armed teachers. But the best way to solve school shootings is to get rid of the government schools because most of the problems are in government schools. This is a private school. This is unusual. But the biggest way to get rid of uh, um, the problem of school shootings in the government schools is to get rid of the government schools. It's not like they're actually educating people. All right, here we go. So, uh, yeah. So when you make comments on live chat, put the context in, because if I get back to it a few minutes later, I've completely forgotten. If you say, yeah, that's right. Well, how do I know what I just said that was right? I forget. All right. So it says, uh, Calman says, when I thought, uh, what I thought was stupid was she used a nine millimeter uh, M&P shield. That pistol is made for women because the slide is easier to use. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's talk about that. So we're talking gun technology here. Certain guns are easier for women, and let's be honest, they're easier for older people, too. And they're easier for, for people that, uh, you know, don't have huge lumberjack hands like maybe Calman does. You know, I'm a strong guy. I'm six one. you know, 200-some-odd pounds, trying to reduce it. You know, I can, I can uh, work the actions of pretty much any gun out there. I haven't found one that I can't. But what about when I'm 90 years old? You don't think I'm going to want an easier slide if I need to defend myself? I might get one of those easy slides, too. Who knows what shape I'll be in at 90? Who knows how they'll still be here? Yes. All right. Back to the article. Second uh, Chief Drake. Authorities. Oh, here's the part that I found the most uh, disturbing in terms of what the law enforcement, law enforcement did everything wrong, but here's one thing they did wrong. Uh, oh, here we go. Chief Drake told a reporter at a press conference the shooter, I mean the murderer, had no criminal history at all. Well, see, there you go. See, so that makes it legal for them to buy guns. They had no criminal history. You can't stop people for what you think they might do. That's called prior restraint. That's illegal in a free society. If the government could judge, you know, which they want to do, right? They want to be able to judge who can buy guns in advance for what they might do. Nobody could buy guns, or very few. Anyway, Chief Drake told a reporter at the press conference the shooter had no criminal history at all. Uh, okay, that makes sense. Uh, usually these people are first-time offenders because a lot of times they die. Uh, either by suicide or by being police killed or by a self-defense person, you know, stopping the threat, which can result in death. If that's what it takes to stop the threat, that's what you do. I hope more people are being armed. 
Uh, all you folks with concealed carry permits that aren't carrying your guns, shame on you. Start carrying your guns. That's the whole point of a concealed carry permit. All you folks that uh, are thinking about carrying, start doing it. Don't say to yourself, well, that's inconvenient. I think I'll leave my gun at home. I'll tell you, the one time, you know, these things are rare, but they do happen, obviously. But the one time that you could have saved somebody's life and you don't have your gun with you, how are you going to feel? I feel like crap. I feel terrible. So hopefully I won't be in that position. And of course, in Florida, you can't bring a gun to a bar. Well, actually, you can bring a, you know, a bar to a, to a restaurant that serves alcohol, but you can't sit at the bar. So it's kind of weird. So I don't understand these restrictions. Uh, now, should people carrying guns drink? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, should they be able to go to a bar? Absolutely. Get your soda, you know, get your fruit juice, enjoy yourself. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, just as we have designated drinkers, maybe we should have designated, I'm not, I'm not going to say shooters because that's, that's, that's not what we're trying to do. But how about a designated uh, defenders? Ah, there we go. That's the term. I got to write this down. Designated defenders. So in other words, I'm, I'm going to write, this is going to be a great bill. Designated. I got this gel pen, so I have to write bigger. Otherwise, I can't read it. Designated defenders, which would be like designated drivers. Designated drivers. Except they have guns. <laughs> With guns. See if I can change Florida law. What do you guys think of that? Cowman? Of course, in, in Marco in the Netherlands, you can't have guns at all, which is crazy. I don't understand that. Uh, Marco, we need to start a movement in, in the Netherlands to get you guys your guns back. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> okay, anyway. So, uh, here we go. So, Chief Drake told a reporter that a press conference shooter had no criminal history. He also said she knew of no history of mental illness, but that authorities will be looking into that as the investigation continues. Well, I think anybody that believes that if they change body parts uh, and, and take chemical drugs and hormones, that itself is evidence of a mental illness. Okay? The, if you think that this is, that your identity is in such, uh, uh, such a state, such a, so, uh, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Um, a state that's decayed so much that you believe that different body parts or removal of body parts and injection of hormones and chemicals is going to make you feel better about yourself? That, to me, is evidence of mental illness. And again, I, we had a perfectly what I thought was, you know, happy, well-adjusted person who went through this. So, I don't know. <laughs> you know, uh, they seem fine now. So, so how do you find somebody, that, you know, but I, to me, this is evidence that there might be, let's just put it this way. This is evidence to me that the, the, the fact that you'd want to alter is evidence to me that there might be, uh, most likely are, mental health issues involved. That's what I would say. All right, then here's the part where it's interesting. Authorities have located a manifesto and writings that pertain to the day of the shooting and the actual incident. Those materials include a map drawn out of how this would all take place. So obviously this is pre-planned, premeditated. We know that. Chief Jake said authorities have a working theory, but it has not yet been confirmed. He did not provide details with respect to the unidentified theory. So why haven't they released the manifesto? Why haven't they released the manifesto? The perpetrator's dead. Okay. It's not like they have rights to it anymore. <laughs> okay. And even if they did, why hasn't that been released? You know, how do we judge this? How do we understand this person, you know, who, who killed, you know, adults and children, especially children? How do you, how do we understand a person's children if we can't read their manifesto? What do you think it's going to inspire other people to do this? I think they're already inspired to do this through the drugs, the altering, the mental illness and everything else that we've talked about, the psychotropics, the hormones, 
He says, when asked by a reporter whether the suspect identifying as transgender had anything to do, well, instead of saying tra- they are transgender, it said identified as transgender. That's interesting. That's interesting. That's because that's this is a conservative website. Because right? a liberal website would say they are transgender, that that actually is such a thing. And uh, the conservative site says identifying as transgender because it's not such a thing. Anyway, had anything to do with the motive for targeting the school? Chief Drake said, there is some theory to that. We're investigating all the leads. Yeah, this is all. What do you mean? How can you say this wasn't targeted? If somebody has a map of a place and commits murder there, yeah, that's targeting. Come on, guys. It says, a location in addition to the Covenant School was reportedly mentioned, oh, there we go, in the Shooter's Manifesto or other writings. That location, also in Nashville, was rejected by the suspect because it had too much security. Oh, wait a minute. Let me read that again. A location in addition to the Covenant School was reportedly mentioned in the Shooter's Manifesto or other writings. That location, also in Nashville, was rejected by the suspect, Chief Drake said, because it had too much security. So there's your proof. So the murderer, as dangerous and depraved and uh, all the other things that they were, was smart enough to go to a place with less security that was more vulnerable. Gun-free zones get people killed. Let me say that again. Gun-free zones get people killed because there's no way to respond. You know, waiting for the police minutes away, it doesn't take long to, for, to commit murder. Anyway, video pertaining to the incident may be released tonight or tomorrow. Oh, actually, it has been released, which is interesting. Okay. Comments, questions, who's got uh, – let's see. I've got another article start here in a minute. Calman says, oh, yeah, hey, did you know that her AR had the word hellfire with red tape on it? Uh, there we go. Instantly thought about those gunmen in New Zealand. I hate the term gunmen. Those murderers in New Zealand with all the writing on their guns. Could they have been influenced her? Yes, I don't think so. Uh, I think people, you know, this idea that uh, if someone says jump off a cliff, people suddenly jump off a cliff because someone else said so. I don't know. I don't I agree with that. People do things because they want to do them. Uh, this idea that they're all being influenced, you know, but uh, on the other hand, if you talk about um, the, the transgender vengeance group, um, because of, uh, you know, that uh, they, they're all saying, well, it's this genocide against transgender people. Well, that'd be like saying, you know, those who are identifying as transgender, who've been surgically, chemically altered, are all being lined up against a wall and shot and killed. That would be transgender genocide. That's not happening, obviously, nor does anybody want it to happen. What we want is for these people to get mental health, stop altering your bodies, and get your minds right. It's put it as simply as possible. All right. Let me see. Let's see. I just understand. All right. Something. Let me just do a couple more things. I'll take another break. Let's go to Josh Hawley first. Uh, then we'll go to, all right, let me do these three articles, actually. Well, we'll see. These are short. New York Post, March 28th, yesterday, Senator Josh Hawley calls Nashville school shooting an anti-Christian hate crime. Finally, conservatives are actually doing something. Said so just back and going, well, if it happened to the left, they'd be screaming and yelling. No, so you got to scream and yell too. Senator Josh Hawley, Missouri. Oh, who wrote this? Uh, Victor Nava, NAVA, March 28th of two days ago. Of yesterday. <laughs> Senator Josh Hawley, Republican uh, from Missouri, called on federal authorities Tuesday to investigate Monday's massacre. It's not a massacre. Yes, it's a major death, it's not a massacre. And it's not a genocide. Uh, let's keep our words straight. It's a tragedy. It's definitely a murders. It's multiple murders. It's not a massacre. Waco was a massacre. I'm not sure where you draw the line, but anyway, I just do. 
So it says Monday's massacre at Covenant in Nashville is a hate crime against Christian believers. Oh, yeah, sure is. Why didn't they just say against Christians? New York Post. What do you mean Christian believers? That's what we call Christians. Get your words right. Article says, in a letter to FBI Director Christopher Wray, which I will say is a total waste of time, and Homeland Security uh, Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, the most evil man in the government next to Dr. Fascist, Dr. Fascist yeah, he'd be number two. Uh, Mayorkas, the, the only man who can lie um, and not think of it as lying. He has no conscience. He's a total sociopath. Mayorkas lets in 15 million people illegally in the United States and says, oh, the border's secure. B.S. This guy is almost, is almost as psychotic as Dr. Fascist. Anyway, article says, Holly described uh, Audrey Hale. Well, sorry, I try not to mention the name. Audrey described Holly did it again. Holly described the murderer, murderer's rampage through the Tennessee school that left three adults and three nine-year-old children dead as a targeted assault, which the police chief confirmed, right? Okay. Uh, against Christians. So he calls them Christians. And called for the full resources of the federal government to be deployed to determine why the 28-year-old former student carried out the heinous crime. He says it is commonplace to call such horrors senseless violence. But properly speaking, that is false. Police report that the attack here was targeted. Targeted, that is, against Christians. I urge you to immediately open an investigation into this shooting as a federal hate crime. The full resources of the federal government must be brought to bear to, uh, this is to determine how this crime occurred and who may have influenced the deranged shooter to carry out these horrific crimes. Hate leads to violence. Uh, hate that leads to violence must be condemned, and hate crimes must be prosecuted. Well, think about it. Well, let's talk about hate for a second. What does the left say? Left says that Donald Trump is the most evil person on the earth, and anything done to him is okay. That's what they've said. All the prosecutions, all the investigations. Uh, who is that? That uh, comedian Kathy thing that uh, symbolically showed a, a decapitated head, and she was roundly condemned by the left for about six weeks. I think she's back now. I forgot her name, but anyway, displaying a effigy um, head of Donald Trump, beheaded. Okay. You don't think that inspires people to, to do violence, possibly, or gives them an excuse saying, well, it's okay for her to do it. You know, what, you know, what can I do? What can I do for artwork? All right. Then let's talk about, you know, the left keeps saying Christians are evil. Conservatives are evil. evil. You know, uh, Brandon says the mad Republicans are evil. So this is why I made that video, uh, which is available on my Facebook pages. Uh, I should put it on the Action Radio video page, but I made a video. You go to the Action Radio YouTube channel. So Action Radio. So go to YouTube and put in Action Radio, and you'll see our big logo, and you can go to my uh, my my uh, place where it took a, a Brandon speech, you know, the, the communist one with the red background, you know, and where he's yelling and screaming, the mega Republicans are evil, right? And I, I put the, the, the Soviet national anthem in the background. <laughs> it's really pretty funny. The YouTube Action Radio, Action Radio channel on YouTube, you'll find it. It's, it's the one I just did two days ago. Okay. So that's what, that's where we stand right now. All right. So that's the article, article, article. It says New York Post. Another one of my favorite suit. Uh, okay. So that, oh, that's on the body cam footage. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But let's talk about hate crimes again. So this, so Josh Hawley is on to something here. So what, uh, if the left is going to call certain things hate crimes, then conservatives, American patriots have to do the same thing. So Nashville.gov is the official government website of the city of Nashville. Understanding hate crimes, colon, definitions. 
So here we go. The Federal Bureau of Investigation, this is why this went to Chris Ray, you know, who's basically, uh, um, you know, head of internal security, you know, for uh, Merrick Garland, you know, in the FBI KGB. I wrote an article on that, too, on Substack. GregPenglis.substack.com. Check my, uh, uh, my article on the FBI KGB, whether they're committing uh, treason, perjury, or both. And my answer is pretty predictable. I'll tell you right now, it's both, but I'll explain why in the article. Federal Bureau Investigations, FBI definition of a hate crime. A hate crime is a traditional uh, offense like murder, arson, or vandalism. Let me start again. A hate crime is a traditional offense like murder, arson, or vandalism with an added element of bias. A hate crime is a, quote, criminal offense against a person or property motivated in whole or in part by an offender's bias against race, religion, there you go, that qualifies it as a hate crime, disability, sexual orientation, ethnicity, gender, or gender identity. I would also add political uh, ideology as well to that, but uh, that's just me. It says hate itself is not a crime, and the FBI is mindful of protecting freedom of speech and other civil liberties. Uh-huh. Okay, here's the state of Tennessee's definition of a hate crime. A crime committed by a perpetrator who intentionally selected the person or the property that was damaged or otherwise affected by the crime, in other words, killed, uh, in whole or in part because of the perpetrator's belief or perception regarding the race, religion, color, disability, sexual orientation, national origin, ancestry, or gender of that person uh, or the owner or occupant of that property. Well, of course, again, you have to add political ideology. Because what was the hate crime committed against the Republicans uh, on the baseball you know, by this wacko leftist? What was the hate crime committed against the 18-year-old man who was run over by a 44-year-old leftist uh, because they talked politics and the 18-year-old liked Trump. That's a hate crime by these definitions. So you can't just have hate crimes, you know, against conservatives, patriots, and, and America firsters. If you have hate crimes, it has to apply equally to everybody. That's 14th Amendment. So not applying a hate crime statute would be unconstitutional in this case. Let me say that again. Not applying uh, the hate crime statutes to this crime would be unconstitutional because it would violate the equal protection where everybody is treated equally under the law. Or Hillary Clinton would say, nobody is above the law. So that's why I made that Facebook post. All the illegals have to leave. Why? Well, because nobody's above the law. Oh, okay. That makes sense. 813. Oh, almost, almost halfway through the show. And it's just me. And my people in live chat. Mark, uh, Mark on live chat in the Netherlands and Calman. Somewhere nearby here on live chat. 813? Play a couple. Well, actually, it's 814 now. There we go. Okay. Break. I'll come back with a whole new set of topics for you. We're, we're, just, we're just getting started here today. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Where are my ads? Uh, here we go. Back in a bit. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, W-Y-L, to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. 
Start your engine. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend, Jason Myers, and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elba Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. From addiction to achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with my pillow and now goes to my coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of MyPillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates, W-Y-L, which stands for Write Your Laws. MyPillow pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. Check out their products with our discount code at MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. That's MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. Or order now by calling 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio live. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. Radio, dedicated to fixing everything. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, Cam, I just typed in, uh, he's got a topic for the third hour, uh, so that's going to be very interesting. We'll hear that. Uh, sad topic? Yeah, well, this is pretty, this is, I'm, I'm not all cheers and happiness today, <laughs> I'll tell you that. This is a, a serious topic, but oh, hang on. Uh, what's going on here? Chair, come on, chair. I have a chair problems. There we go. 
every one of those chairs that sits on a, uh, a rug and it's one of those office chairs and it keeps getting caught under the rug. It's got to sit in a certain place or I can't do my show. Hang on. Adjusting. Okay, I'm back. Um, but that's, that's something. Anyway, so what I was going to suggest for Calman, you should do a regular report. You know, if, uh, let's, let's talk off the air. See if we can find a half hour for you to do a geopolitical report because we need one. That's something definitely missing from the show. So if you want to think about doing a regular report, uh, that's cool too. And in the Netherlands, it's too bad you're working because I'd love to have you do a, uh, a European report, you know, live where you could call and talk to your boss. Maybe, uh, um, Mark, I'll see if you can do that. If your boss can give you, you know, half an hour during the week to uh, once a week to talk to us uh, here and, you know, maybe work extra half hour or something like that. But uh, depending on what you do anyway, that's up to you. All right. So let's, let's get back to, um, I got plenty of time. The whole Everybody's, you know, got other stuff going on. It's kind of. All right, so let's uh, let's get back to. There was something I wanted to. Um, well, that's not really. Is this my? Uh, oh, okay. That's, yeah, we'll get to that one. All right, that's a different article. All right, so where's the one I'm looking for? Here we go. I found this incredible website, and uh, it, it's almost like a Wikipedia one, but it's it's interesting. It's called Info Galactic. Not sure how much there is. This is the first time I found this. So again, but it, it looks really interesting. It looks pretty well thought out. So there might be something to this. It's it's called the and it's uh, Infogalactic. I N F O G A L A C T I C. Infogalactic Planetary Knowledge Core. That's what the website says, right? And so that's that's uh, and the title of this article I found, or this list, like a Wikipedia thing, crime committed by transgender people. So it seems to me that there is a disproportionate amount of crimes being committed by those who are identifying as transgender, who are, as I would call, altered. Uh, it says from it says this list is incomplete. You can help by expanding it. Hmm. So I guess this maybe is a voluntary list. Again, skeptical, but curious. That's why I'm going over it. So crimes committed by transgender people. Activists promote the belief that transgender people, uh, that is, those who falsify their sex, <laughs> of yeah, that's what it says here. Activists promote the belief that transgender people, that is, those who falsify their sex, are victims of frequent violence and are oppressed, persecu- are, are an oppressed, persecuted social group. However, <clears throat> here's where it gets interesting. Statistics give a very different picture. Transgender people, or I'd say those who identify as such, uh, are no more likely to be murdered or attacked than the rest of the population. In fact, they are far more likely to carry out violent crimes, including murder. Some of the worst serial killers in criminal history have been transgenders. When transgender people do get killed, there is often distorted reporting, uh, presuming the prejudice against their transgender status was necessarily the motive, and trying to suggest that transgenders are killed at a rate above the average, which is not true. Activists also claim that there are many unreported crimes, but there is no reason to believe this. In the entire USA population, 17,250 murders took place in 2016 out of which only 22 out of 17,250 were, tra- were of transgenders. Few, if any, cases could be attributed to their transgender status. Most victims are killed by their own partners or while engaging in prostitution, which is the world's most dangerous job. In many cases, drugs are involved. So all these things we talk about, I didn't talk about prostitution, but we certainly talk about drugs. Uh, and tra- and it says, anyway, in 2018, 26 murders of transgender people were reported but this is still less than one-sixth of 1% of all those killed. Not a huge majority. In fact, not even a majority at all. Then it says how transgender facilitates crime. I told you you're going to find this fascinating. 
uh, this is it's kind of big, so let me move my computer screen. Uh, it says here, by legally changing their identity, name, and appearance, a convicted criminal can put people off their guard. If the law allows them to destroy all their past records, it becomes impossible to establish their true history and prosecute them for past crimes. A steadily growing percentage of convicted criminals are taking advantage of these laws. And they give you some examples. Matthew Harks. Harks, a convicted serial pedophile in Ontario, Canada, changed his name to Madeline and started to identify as a woman in 2018. He admitted to molesting as many as 60, 60, 60 children and keeping trophies such as underwear. Peter Samuel Cook, serial rapist Cook, was known as the Cambridge Rapist. He dressed as a woman in order to rape a series of victims in Cambridge. Detectives surmised that he had passed them on a number. He surmised that he had passed them on a number of occasions unnoticed because he was dismissed as a female cyclist. In 1975, he was convicted on seven counts. 1996, Cook applied for permission to have a sex change, hoping that this would improve his chances of release, but both were denied. That was before the law started to bend over backwards to pander to trans demands. He died in prison in 2004. One more here. Uh, Hobie Bingham, Bingham, man convicted in 2003 in Louisiana of raping a girl of 12. On release, he relocated to Washington and was convicted of further offenses. In jail, he decided to, quote, identify as a woman and announced he was changing his name to Princess Zoe and Drama to Love. <laughs> okay. He was placed in Washington Correction Center for Women in Seattle. A guard testified that while sharing a cell, Bingham raped the other inmate. He put the facts on the prison record, but noticed that somebody had erased them. Bingham got no penalty for his conduct and has never been tried for it. As soon as Bingham was released, he cut his hair short and started identifying as a man again. So, you people are so, you know, this, these jail folks, the leftists are so easily conned. Then has murders committed by transgenders. Philip Tarver, 2020. Philip Tarver, 47. A cross-dressing man in Surrey, England, I guess this is an English article, right? Murdered his 86-year-old mother by stabbing her in the heart with a sword and then decapitating her. Tarver, dressed in a see-through negligee, um, sliced off his wedding. I was wondering where that was going to go. Sliced off his mother's wedding ring finger and put it in the kettle and then put her head in the freezer. I don't know if I want to read any more of these. You get the idea. But uh, what they're saying is uh, you know, that transgenders commit a disproportionate amount of crimes. So my question is why? All right. It's uh, interesting. <laughs> okay. Why? Committing a disproportionate amount of crimes. All right. So let's switch to another article. Let's see what. Oh, Calman says to to Marco, you should call him sometime. Marco's in the Netherlands. He's working. It's hard for him to call in. Although we do have a Skype line, which should be working. And it says maybe tell us your view on 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 the whole Ukraine thing and your your country's acceptance into NATO. That'd be interesting too. Yeah, it would. So Marco, feel free to to text in. Uh, when you can, um, we're permitting. Like I say, talk to your boss. See if you can come on here as a, as a guest. All right. Look what I found. Citizens Commission on Human Rights, Florida. Psychiatric Drugs and School Shootings by CCHR Florida, February 27th, 2018, before we became all politically correct with COVID. The Citizens Commission on Human Rights of Florida, a nonprofit mental health watchdog dedicated to investigating and exposing abusive psychiatric practices in the name of mental healing is calling upon Florida lawmakers to first investigate the plausible link between psychiatric drugs and violence before taking the advice of mental health professionals to increase funding and amend the mental health law. Earlier, there's a connection between psychotropics, 
you know, antidepressants and anti drugs and screenings. Because most of the people, if not all, but almost all the people who in, were involved in mass murders in schools were on psychotropic drugs for anxiety uh, and depression. Well, that means there's a connection. And so if 40% of those identifying as transgender who are really altered are, are, are attempting suicide, which is a mental health, mental health issue all by itself, and they're on psychotropic drugs, and psychotropic drugs you know, cause people to, to engage in violent acts, it's not a big leap to see that those who have been transgendered and altered who take psychotropic drugs have a very good chance, or not a very good, have the potential to be murderers. Huh. Frankenstein medicine. Back to the article. Recently, the nation and the world was shaken by an act of lethal violence when, oh, I won't say his name, opened fire at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, killing 17 students and teachers. Uh, that's where the police waited. That's why 17 were killed. Although there can be many reasons for his horrific tragedy, the CCHR, the, the uh, Commission uh, what's this? Citizens Commission on Human Rights warns that the prevalence of psychotropic drug use amongst America's children, who also are being transgendered, uh, may be driving a percentage of these young people to commit acts of violence. For the last 20 years, CCHR has been investigating and exposing the correlation between mass murder, violent crime, suicide, and psychiatric drugs. During this time, CCHR has reported that those taking or withdrawing from psychiatric drugs have committed at least 36 school shootings and or other school-related acts of violence. This correlation is not surprising when you consider that the prescribed psychiatric drugs, such as antidepressants, antipsychotics, stimulants, and anti-anxiety drugs, which we collectively call psychotropics, right, have been documented in 27 international drug regulatory agency warnings, including the US, F- the U.S. FDA, to cause side effects of mania, hostility, violence, and even homicidal ideation in a percentage of those prescribed. So what kind of maniac would prescribe psychotropic drugs knowing that they have homicidal and suicidal side effects to young people, especially if they're already having mental health issues because they've been told they're the wrong gender and they need to change, or those that have been changed with operations and drug therapy, hormone things. What do you expect is going to happen? This is Frankenstein medicine. We're Doctors who are monsters and leftists who are monsters are creating monsters who go out and commit murder. And just the evidence is just piling up over and over. Pianca's done a lot. I'll get to him in a minute. I want to finish this article as much as I, well, it's not that long. Uh, and then I want to, and then I want to talk to him and then I want to cover another article. And then again, hopefully time it to the top of the hour for Calman to call and do a, a global um, geopolitical report. Let me read that last section again. This is, so, this is absolutely critical. During this time, the Citizens Commission on Human, Human Rights has reported that those taking or withdrawing taking or withdrawing from psychiatric drugs have committed at least 36 school shootings and or school-related acts of violence. This correlation is not surprising when you consider that prescribed psychiatric drugs, such as antidepressants, antipsychotics, well, that's ironic, stimulants, and anti-anxiety drugs have been documented by 27 international drug regulatory agency warnings. So they already warn against these drugs that are still being prescribed because of the harmful, violent effects of these things. So the U.S. FDA, which is effectively useless ever since uh, the COVID shot came out, which is still recommending, 
which is killing people like crazy. I've got more information on that. Different show. But we know there's a correlation between psychiatric drug use, so much so that the U.S. FDA has warned about it. Uh, Also, 27 international drug regulatory agencies do the same thing, uh, has warned that they cause side effects of, here we go, here's the list, you ready? Excuse me. Mania, hostility, violence, and even homicidal ideation, in other words, they want to do it, right, in a percentage of those prescribed. Now, these are the drugs. Why would you call something antidepressant, all right, when it causes mania, hostility, mania and hostility? Well, <laughs> this is crazy. All right, they call something else. What do they call these drugs? Uh, psychiatric drugs. Okay, so they're calling it psychiatric. The things that psychiatric drugs you would think would be curing psychiatric problems. But no, they're actually causing them. They're the cause of the problems. Psychiatric drugs are causing mania, hostility, violence, and even homicidal ideation in percentage of those prescribed. That's not me. That's the FDA talking. And yet they still allow them. Article says the apparent link between psychiatric drug violence is also frequently made public by law enforcement. Well, it just was again in Nashville, right? It was the case when uh, with 12-year-old, I want to say his name, who opened fire at Sparks Middle School in Nevada on October 2013, killing a teacher and wounding two classmates before committing suicide. The police investigation revealed that he had been prescribed the generic form of the antidepressant Prozac, which is called fluoxetine. I've never heard that word. Prozac. Prescribed Prozac. One more time. Prozac. And it had been in his system at the time of his death. No surprise there. So we need an autopsy on the murderer of the Nashville um, kids and, and, and teachers to find out if they, whatever they were, after being altered, uh, had a ridiculous amount of hormones, drugs, and whatever else in their system. Anyway, it says it was also true for a 15-year-old, I won't mention his name either, who shot and killed another student at his middle school in Huntsville, Alabama, in February 2010. This one had a history of treatment of, for ADHD, And depression. What's the first thing to do with ADHD? Ritalin. Prozac. Zoloft. What was it? Zoloft was one of those things. uh, Prozac and Zoloft. Wasn't that what the the Columbine murders were on? Dylan Klebold and the other one? See, I don't remember. We've been documenting this stuff since the 90s. This is true for a 15-year-old da-da-da who shot and killed another student. Uh, And then it says uh, that person had a history of treatment for ADHD and depression and was taking the antidepressant Zoloft. There you go. I just mentioned it. And other, and other drugs? I mean, how many drugs are these people getting? Zoloft and other drugs, all right, for his conditions. And have been seeing a psychiatrist, a psychiatrist and a psychologist. So wait a minute. So all those folks that want to take away guns from people, we've got kids seeing psychiatrists and psychologists on antidepressants, on drugs that have the side effect of homicide. And you don't think that's a problem? Maybe the parents should be looked into here. Anyways, and the story was the same for 15-year-old da-da-da, Springfield, Oregon, who murdered his parents on the morning of May 21st, 1998, before heading to school, where he killed two students and wounded another 25. He was prescribed Prozac. According to the CCR, an investigation, almost done, Pianchi. <laughs> Pianchi's on the line. Uh, according to the CCHR, an investigation into the link is long overdue when you take into consideration that between 2004 and 2012, the FDA's Safety Information and Adverse Event Reporting Program, known as MedWatch, I'm going to write that down, MedWatch, 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 T-C-H, MedWatch, 
received a staggering, are you ready for this? 14,773 reports of psychiatric drugs causing violent side effects. Let me say that one more time, okay? According to CCHR, an investigation into the link is long overdue when you take into consideration that between 2004 and 2012, we're talking eight years, eight years, the FDA's Safety Information and Adverse Event Reporting Program, known as MedWatch, how many people have heard of that, received a staggering 14,773 reports over eight years. That's it. 14,773 reports of psychiatric drugs causing violent side effects, including 1,531 cases of homicidal ideation or homicide, 3,287 cases of mania, and 8,219 cases of aggression. Here's a quote. Throwing money at mental health at the mental health system that keeps failing and continues to use drugs that may induce violent and suicidal behavior in advantage of those taking them will not prevent another tragedy. That's Diane Stern, Stein, excuse me, president of the Florida chapter of CCHR. Cruz is a prime, oh, one of the, he's one of the murderers, uh, is a prime example of this failure. He was apparently medicated and in the mental health system, but did, this did nothing to stop him. Instead, CCHR is urging Florida lawmakers to immediately look into the connection between psychiatric drugs and the deadly events that uh, transpired in Parkland. And these are folks that have been altered by transgender surgeries and chemicals. I think that only makes it worse. Pianchi, it's been an interesting morning. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Greg. Good topic that you're on, as usual. (laughs) I try. I really do. But you know, there's a good point that's being put out there about the medicine, the psychotropic drugs that they're putting these kids on, that they're putting children on, acting Mm -hmm. as uh, these blockers. What do they call them? Gender blockers? Uh, Um, Puberty blockers, hormone blockers. Puberty blockers, yes. Yeah, okay. So here's the thing. Now that this is more prevalent than ever, shouldn't our parents, uh, shouldn't say victims of these shootings, start suing these drug companies rather than the gun and bullet manufacturers? That's a good question. Um, hang on, I'm just let me let me type something real quick here, and I'll deal that. There we go. In there, yeah, um, because normally yeah. people uh-huh. have access to these items, the guns, they don't go out and commit these type of heinous acts. But you got those who seemingly have been put on these drugs, they would take these same instruments that others use in a righteous way and they go uh-huh. out and commit crimes with them. So it looks like it's the drugs that's causing this, the harm, and not. The guns and bullets themselves. Sue well, it's never the guns and bullets. Uh, the guns and bullets are simply uh, 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 the the uh, the implement of, of death, just as the, uh, the the SUV was in the parade assassinations up in Wisconsin, uh, as any number of other things. I mean, guns. The reason guns are so effective for self defense is that they can stop a person and they can kill a person. Okay, but in the wrong hands, in the criminal's hands, you know, uh, that's the problem. But we don't we don't you know we don't make guns so that uh, you know, murders can kill people. We make guns so that we can hunt, target, shoot, compete, defend ourselves, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so that's that's the thing. But uh, that's why guns are used, obviously. But they could use swords, knives, all kinds of other things. But the point is that if you combine, 
And I think it's the combination here. So it was bad enough when the school shooters were simply kids that their parents, their leftist parents, took to psychiatrists and psychologists who prescribed these horrible drugs like Zoloft and Prozac and ADHD medications, and that's Ritalin, and all these other different things like that. They were committing murders just on those drugs alone. So now let's toss in transgender alteration. And the fact that 40% of those who, who call themselves transgender have attempted suicide. That's almost half of everybody who calls themselves transgender committing, uh, attempting suicide. Well, why do you attempt suicide? Because you have severe mental health issues, fatal mental health issues. That's what suicide is, right? That's, people don't commit suicide. Well, unless those who want to end their life because they have a fatal disease, that's different. But for, but for most people, it's a, it's, a, it's a fatal mental condition. Why do soldiers kill themselves 22 a day? That's a mental issue. It's not a well, physical the thing one. I'm saying is that, mm-hmm. The thing I'm saying is that those that manufacture and those that prescribe these drugs that we can associate with the actions that we're seeing out of these people that identify mm-hmm. this way, they're the ones that should be brought up for tort claims rather than the manufacturer of the guns themselves. Well, yeah, but I don't think there's any liability immunity for people that produce psychotropic drugs. It's not like they're a vaccine, which does have liability immunity. But there's no reason why you can't sue these drugs. Those doctors that prescribe it, they should be liable also. Well, of course they should. But there's all kinds of immunity out there, too. But you've got to be careful with that, too, because if doctors are liable for anything that goes wrong when they prescribe drugs, they're not going to prescribe drugs. And there are drugs that help people. You know, there are, I don't know what they are. Yeah, I don't take it. case of the shooters that go out and shoot up schools in the particular instance there in Nashville. Well, we need to find out if this person, but it makes sense. First of all, well, let's combine all the factors together. First, psychotropic drugs, which are advertised to combat depression and anxiety, actually cause homicide and suicide as a side effect. So the, the, maybe these drugs shouldn't even be on the market, which is what I'm thinking. That's the first thing. Puberty blockers. Well, they shouldn't be on either for, because why would you block puberty? Anybody that's in puberty isn't an adult yet. Right? right. So, so puberty if blockers, you give a child puberty blockers and not knowing what type of effects, now we got evidence that the, the most recent shooters mm-hmm coming from that particular identifier, identification, was given puberty blockers, then that, in fact, could be a contributing factor to their maniacal action. Oh, I think, it, I think it is. I think that the creation of these transgender identifying people is creating an extremely violent um, cult. And I think it's only going to get worse uh, with the violence. Because here's, here's what I think of the transgender identifying group is, is so violent. Um, you look at what's happening. You combine mental health issues. You combine psychotropic drugs. You combine puberty blockers, hormone blockers, all kinds of stuff in their system. You take away their body parts or you rearrange them. You alter them so they will never be who they were. They can never go back to being the person they were. You combine the anger, the resentment, the hatred that builds up from that, plus the mental health confusion of who they are and what they are. And, and, and how they fit into society. You can, then you drug them with, with psychotropics, antidepressants, Zoloft, Prozac. You combine all this together, and then you have the leftists say that your enemy is the Christian. Your enemy 
is the white male. Your enemy is the MAGA Republican, as Brandon said. You know, and then you turn all so and people don't want to hate themselves. They want to hate something else. So they project all the hatred and all the 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 the, the, the psycho what's that trying to sociopathy, psychopathy from from these antidepressants, which remove any restrictions on their behavior. I think that's one of the big problems. All the restrictions on their behavior is gone because it allows these psychotropics allow them to do things they would never do normally. That's what, that's why alcohol is such a problem. It allows people to do things that they wouldn't do. You know, go home with somebody they wouldn't go home with if they had a conscience. <laughs> and that includes men too, folks. You know, um, but the thing is, you combine all these together. You combine depression, anxiety, mental health issues, antidepressants, transition drug therapies, uh, transition surgeries, resentment, anger, hostility. And then you put in the mental aspects, Christians, Americans, patriots, MAGA Republicans, you, hate, you can't hate yourself, so you've got to hate something else. And you consider those people subhuman. It's what the Germans do to the Jews. It's what the Democrat Marxists are trying to do to American patriots. Make us subhuman. Well, it's easy to kill something that's subhuman. It doesn't matter. So you put it all together, and that's why you, get, that's why you had a, a transgender-altered person who was probably on antidepressants, who had mental health issues, take out her hostility, not on herself or himself, whatever they are now, uh, but on kids and adults of a Christian school. Makes perfect sense, yeah. right? And that's why I say that the, the makers of the drug that this person was on mm-hmm. need to be contributing in lawsuits. Yeah, but Because if they were taking a placebo yeah. and she didn't come out and have those tendencies or those desires and not wanting to go into a school and shoot up, the students, and it never would have happened. And I say yeah. another thing: the DOJ and Homeland Security need to be identifying these groups as terrorists, like they've done black groups back years ago. You know, you had uh, in Dearborn, Michigan, where you had parents come out at school board meetings mm-hmm. and protest what was being taught to their kids in the schools. All of a sudden, they end up on the no-fly list. That there is well, the they're terrorists. That well, wait a minute. Uh, see the agenda, though. Now, think about this. The goal of the left is to destroy America through anarchy and then rebuild a communist dictatorship. Okay? That's, that's essentially, hang on. That's, uh, having chair problems. Essentially, that's what's going on. One of the ways to do that is to use militant groups. So what was the first militant group? The KKK, the Democrats used. Then they used Antifa and Black Lives Matter. I think this so-called transgender cult is the next militant group by the Marxists to bring about anarchy because it's one thing to look at Antifa and Black Lives Matter as purely political. But there's no guilt associated with, well, there is. There's racist guilt if you don't like Black Lives Matter. But with the so-called transgender, the altered group, all of the, the, you can't, you know, hate us. We're a civil rights group. You've got civil rights protections for a group of people that aren't who they were. And they can use that against the society. And whatever, you know, violence and mayhem these people are bringing, they're going to say, well, look, look what the left did. Who did they blame for the, the, the murder of those children at the Covenant School in, in Nashville? They blame Trump. They blame guns. They blame the Second Amendment. The people, who do they blame? Somebody who was 
transgendered, drugged, altered, uh, you know, treated with psychotropic drugs, you know, mental drugs as well as uh, sex change drugs. Never talked about that. That so this this cult, this violent cult, is becoming a protected class. That's scary. <laughs> you know, first of all, nobody gets special rights. Well, yeah, they're becoming a protected class, mm-hmm. and also they are anti-Christian. There mm-hmm. needs to be a congressional hate bill similar to the one you done with the Asian anti-hate bill for Christians. No, no, you don't need it. It's already in the books. I went over it earlier in the show. You might have missed it, but uh, you know, I read the FBI definition of a hate crime. It's already there. They don't have to. They don't need a new bill. They just use the existing one. The existing one covers race, religion, gender, national identity, things like that. I said the only thing that's missing is political ideology, because political ideology uh, is what caused the baseball shooter to try and kill Republicans because they didn't he didn't like them. Uh, it caused that man to run over that eighteen year old kid. Uh, up in uh, up north, North Dakota somewhere with his pickup truck, the 44-year-old, because he didn't like the fact that uh, the kid was a Republican. So ideology should also be classified as a hate crime. Any hate crime against a person for their political beliefs should be a hate crime. Well, but I don't like the whole idea of hate crimes anyway. Anyway, let me, let me get to another article here. I think you'll find this interesting too. So, uh, and I've got, um, I've got Kalman coming up. I'll try to get you to the top of the hour as we can. So we got Marco listening in the Netherlands. We got uh, Kalman listening here. We got Priyanki on the phone. We got me here behind the microphone. Jess Thompson, March 28th, yesterday, said how transgender hormone therapy affects the brain. Here we go. In the wake of the mass shooting at a Nashville elementary school, uh, Christian school, by the way, uh, by someone the police have described as transgender. Uh, there we go. Described as transgender. Uh, a transgender ex-student in which three children aged nine and three adults died. Some people have claimed that hormone replacement therapy could have been a driving factor in the attack. So let's add this into our mix, right? The shooter, I'm not going to give the name, was said uh, by Nashville Police Chief John at a press conference to be transgender, but he didn't clarify which gender that person identified as. In online profiles, that person used he, him pronouns and also went by the name uh, something, anyway, the New York Post reported. It's also not known whether that person had undergone hormone replacement therapy. Nevertheless, Margie Taylor Green, a Republican representative for the state of Georgia, tweeted in a statement regarding the shooting, implying that the shooter's testosterone level was the reason for the shootings. Well, I mean, there's a lot of guys with high testosterone that don't commit murder, so I'm not sure if that's the case. But what happens when you put testosterone in a female body? Okay, so she was born female to have surgery and drugs to make her male, which we know doesn't work. But what do those things do to your brain? So, so, so uh, Margie Taylor Green said, how much hormones like testosterone and medications for mental illness, that'd be the psychotropics we just went over, right? Was the transgender Nashville school they're taking? Everyone can stop blaming guns. Guns have nothing to do with this. They just use as a tool. Journalist Andy No, you know, the guy that's always being beaten up by Antifa, also suggested that the hormones may have contributed to the crime. I'm going to do more research on this. It says, what was the hashtag Nashville trans, mer- men's trans mass shooter on cross-sex hormones? In this case, testosterone. Women committing mass shootings are exceptionally rare. But if that person uh, took testosterone, the female tried to be a guy, uh, it could explain part of the, ma- the male typical mass violence the Christian school tragically experienced. So there's a question for you. Do women taking excess testosterone become violent? 
It's an interesting question because these crimes are usually committed by men. That's a fact. Of course, it's also a fact that men usually stop them with guns, just like the police did in Nashville. It was two, two white guys, I think. Well, whatever it was. Anyway, it was two guys. Stop this. So uh, then it's Newsweek says, but can the impact of hormones on a person's brain really cause them to commit violent or deadly acts? The evidence is unclear. Let's find out. It says one study published in the journal, Psychoneuroendocrinology, geez, that's a mouthful, in 2016, looked into how hormone therapy for transgender people affected subcortical brain areas related to memory and emotion. The study analyzed MRI results, that's those magnetic resonance indicators, of 25 female to male uh, and 14 male to female, uh, people who identify as, and they say transgender people, both before they started hormone treatment and four months into the treatment. The results found that the hormone treatment did result in some changes to the brain. Well, isn't that interesting? In the uh, male-to-female trans people involved in the study, they're taking of estradiol, artificial estrogen, those those dudes that want to be chicks, and anti-androgens, which are testosterone blockers, was found to have reduced the volume of the hippocampus region of the brain. The hippocampus is a small part of the brain that is involved in regulating, learning, memory, and spatial navigation, and also plays a role in anxiety and avoidance behaviors. Oops. Also plays a role in anxiety and avoidance behaviors. So if you're taking a testosterone blocker, if you're a dude trying to be a chick, you're taking a a testosterone blocker, you've got mental health issues, you're probably going to be on antidepressants because antidepressants because you might have anxiety and if you're on antidepressants we know those cause cause homicide and suicidal tendencies that's what it says in the side effects so you put testosterone blockers together with antidepressants what do you think is going to happen <laughs> okay that article says additionally differing pro progesterone levels were found to be correlated with changes in the gray matter structures in the male to female subjects no effects were found in the brains of the female to male individuals well, isn't that interesting? It says here, our findings are also relevant for women undergoing hormone replacement therapy and those receiving oral contraceptive treatment. Uh-oh, another little combination they didn't expect. And this is co-author Rupert Lazenberger, a psychiatrist professor at the Medical University of Vienna. Oh, okay. Austria, for those that haven't seen a map in a while. Said in a Nature Review's endocrinology article discussing the findings of the study, quote, an estrogen plus progestin therapy, I guess that's uh, chicks trying to be dudes, uh, increases the risk of dementia in postmenopausal women aged over 65. Our findings of pronounced of, our findings of pronounced decreases in the hippocampal region, one we just talked about, in response to uh, estradiol and anti-androgen treatment support a neurobiological underpinning of this phenomenon. Okay, what's that in English, dude? He says, however, this study only uses a small sample size, which means the results are not statistically significant. Yes, they are. Here we go. Additionally, it says changes to the gray matter and hippocampus can also be triggered by yoga and meditation or periods of stress. Oh, please, spare me the disclaimers. Then it says, while the person that did the murders wasn't confirmed as a trans man, although they said they were, uh, the use of he, him pronouns on social media suggests that person identified as male. Yeah, they here we go. So we've got another quote here. It's not about their identity. It's a question of this or this. It's the question. It's the questions or this is what kind of hormones are they on? What kind of medications are they taking for mental illness? I've got cats fighting out my window now. 
what is causing this aggression in this biological female who identifies as a male for them to go into and murder children. Huh, I guess women aren't so peaceful. This is, but these are important things. Because it's important because what will testosterone do to a bi- biological woman? Wow. These comments do not follow the science of the nature reviews and technology. Da, da, da. However, it says testosterone itself has long been known to cause increased aggression in men. With one study published in the International Journal of Endocrinology and Metabolism in 2012, stating that there is some evidence that testosterone levels are higher in individuals with aggressive behavior, including violent criminals. Okay, they also have two, uh, two Y chromosomes, too, or something like that. Anyway, some other studies have found that trans men taking testosterone hormones may experience increased aggression. Okay, so you take a, a chick that wants to be a dude, and they're taking hormone therapy, they're taking dude hormones, it's, it can't be a good situation. You know, God made them a chick. <laughs> you know, they're taking dude hormones. There's too many problems here. All right. Enough of this article. Pianchi? Let's bring you back in here. Yeah, good point. All those things need to be contributing factors and taken in accordance. Yeah. I, I, I think uh, that was my conclusion before I started the show, that uh, all these in combination mental health psychotropic drugs puberty blockers hormone blockers altering surgery mental health issues you know wokeism society the cult of the transgender all these you know the uh, the dehumanizing of patriots christians white males etc all are contributing to taking the hate that these people have for all the things that have happened to them and projecting that onto their victims. Christians are the problem. Children are the problem. You know, white people may be the problem. Um, people who aren't like me are the problem. People who don't completely support the transgender cult are the problem and should be eliminated. That's really what it comes down to. These people believe that killing is okay uh, of people that don't uh, think as they do. Well, you know, all the uh, concerns that's involved in performing that on a child, mm-hmm. and then you have these type of reactions and activities like we've seen here in Tennessee, mm-hmm. those people along the way should be brought into an attorney office and questioned. Mm-hmm. Even just questioning them would send a message out to the rest of the industry. The same way they've done with the baker who said that uh, they did not feel comfortable putting the images of same sex on a wedding cake. It made well, people begin to think. Yeah, that's, that's a, that is a, kind of a separate issue, but we'll just talk about that for a minute because I think that's misunderstood as well. The, uh, they say, you know, my contention is public accommodation. If you're open to the public and you're conducting a business – then you cannot refuse service to people of your regular products. However, if you're a baker, a Christian baker, that only makes wedding cakes for married people, in other words, man and a woman, you know, sanctioned by God, licensed by the state, and someone comes in and says, we want a cake for two men, you can say, no, I don't make cakes for two men weddings. I only make cakes for married couples. That's okay. In the same way that you can't go to a pizza place and demand sushi and call that a civil rights violation. Well, gee, that's really stupid, Greg. What's the difference? You know, that's, that's different than a, than a cake. No, it's not. If you make married wedding cakes and someone wants a, a, a gay union cake, that's a different product. 
you're asking them to make something they don't make. They don't have to do that. Piaki? I mean, yeah, it's the same way when you go to a automobile repair place that only works on Mercedes cars. Mm-hmm. You can't take your Chevy there. They tell you, we can't work on your Chevy. Yeah, we don't have parts for a Chevy. We can't do it. Besides, they don't work anyway. I own one. <laughs> it's the last one. It's my first and my last Chevy. <laughs> it ain't going to happen again. Sorry, Chevy. Um, let me play. I'm going to find someone to play here for a few minutes. Someone, let's get uh, Calman to call in. He's got a new topic. Pianca, anything else you want to say on this? Because this has been a fascinating uh, couple I hours I think it's here. a discussion that needs to be had because it's prevalent. Yeah. And it's not getting the attention that other situations get that the left likes to attack. Hmm. Yeah, it's true. I don't have anything real short to play right now, so I'm going to play a little jazz, a little, a little Dixieland. So I'm going to take about a four-minute break, play some music here, and then let's get um, let's get Calman uh, ready to call in here. 215-383-3832. And uh, in the meantime, we're going to enjoy so we're going to find here, a few minutes of, uh, of Dixieland I was actually playing along to this uh, last a uh, couple of nights ago on guitar. I, 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 and I'll play guitar Dixieland. So sit back, enjoy, get a drink, get a cup of coffee. Back in a few minutes um, with Calman and his geopolitical uh, report.
Dixie. I love jazz. I, uh, I played uh, jazz on tuba for years and years, and now I, uh, I jam along with my electric guitar. It's a Dixieland. That's kind of fun, actually. All right, so something just uh, fascinating happened uh, during the course of the show. For the first time, uh, someone has actually asked to, be, uh, to do a report while the show is actually going on. So let's give our, our guest of the day uh, uh, tribute to Cowman. So Kelman, whose first name I don't know, who we hopefully will get at this point, um, I offered uh, a chance to be a regular reporter here doing a geopolitical report because uh, he has all kinds of great insights. Agree most of the time, disagree some of the time, um, but there's always uh, very interesting topics to talk about. And so uh, he asked to, to do a report for, for on the show, and I said, okay, let's go. I pretty much covered what I wanted to cover. Uh, so that's, that's the good part. And so that's pretty much unified. So let's bring on Kelman here, who's been uh, texting him like crazy. <laughs> You know, the live chat, just to show the live chat works. Hey, Cal, man. Good morning, sir. Hey, how are you doing? Uh, how do you think? <laughs> I've been, I've been, I'm on a roll here for a couple hours. Um, so it's been, of course, I just heard some jazz, so I'm in a good mellow mood now out of the, uh, I've, I've reduced the, the well, I got trash outside. Yeah, I think it's worth it to leave windows open for a couple of minutes of noise. Can you guys hear the noise? Can you hear the trash truck? Or no? No, I don't hear nothing. Okay. Seem good to okay, me. Okay, good. Okay, good. So, so, so I guess the, the microphone is, is much more directional than I thought. Oh, that's a good thing. Good, because I like the fresh air. All right, so where, this is your topic. I don't even know what you're going to talk about, but uh, tell me what's going on. Tell me in the geopolitical world. And think about doing a regular, like, a half-hour report, you know, each week. Uh, if you get a chance to call in, we can talk schedules and see where to fit, to fit you. We've got a bunch of places for a 30-minute report. But uh, let me know. Anyway, what's on your mind? Yeah, so a lot has happened in the past couple of days. In fact, it's hmm. kind of remarkable. So China is leading the way when it comes to peace negotiations between Russia and Ukraine. Okay, um, hmm. China is actually leading the way when it comes to Saudi Arabian and Iranian peace negotiations. In hmm. fact, Saudi Arabia said two days, I think it was two or three days ago, that they're going to reopen their embassy in Syria. Um, this hasn't happened since the very beginning of the Syrian conflict, but um, yeah, it's very big moves because I hmm. think China's posturing right now is to be the good guy. Okay, even though they've committed mm. so many atrocities, you know, the Republicans. Um, it was a co-sponsored, I believe, bill um, just condemned uh, Chinese organ harvesting. You know, they did that yesterday, I believe. Um, but they're trying to paint themselves up as the good guys negotiating peace all around. And it's kind of making us look really bad. Mm-hmm. And um, the whole world is really paying attention to this right now. Not really us. You know, news, news will cover everything else, but um, this right here is actually pretty significant. Um, well, tell me what you know about to get Syria. Uh, yeah. Hold on a second. Tell me what you know about Syria. You know, what is the country? How did it come about? Give us some, how do we get involved there? What are we doing there? Let's get some background. Um, so tell me about Syria, what you know of it. So there was a U.S. general named uh, General Wesley Clark. He came out, I believe, in 2003, 2004 in a TV interview, and he was talking about um, the new American century policy, which is mm. um, the, Bush, the Bush framework policy which is to um, gain, well, maybe not gain control, but at least influence um, oil exports 
for the most part, because natural gas and oil, besides Russian territory, really comes out of the Middle East. So according to General Wesley, uh, Wesley Clark's statement, he said the whole plan was to destabilize, to take, kind of take over Libya, Iraq, Afghanistan, um, Syria, Lebanon. Uh, United Arab Emirates kind of agreed with us. So did Oman and Qatar. Yemen, okay, our mm-hmm. participation with sending arms to Saudi Arabia to fight the Yemeni war um, was to eventually end up with Iran. Okay, And we got bogged down in Syria. We couldn't send troops there. We couldn't, we couldn't blow it up like we did in Libya, where we took out all the AA units, just like Russia did in the very beginning of the Ukrainian war. Um, so proxy groups, okay, al-Shabaab, al-Nusra, ISIS, you know, stuff like that. Um, we uh, destabilized the country, but we couldn't get Assad. So this war has been going on since, I want to say, what, 2011 or so? And um, Russia moved in, took control of the whole situation. With uh, Bashir al-Assad invited Russia in, and it actually got to showcase a lot of Russian military technology, which made them look really attractive towards uh, military trade. But we got bogged down. In fact, what we ended up doing was taking control of the oil fields in West Iraq and Eastern Syria away from Bashir al-Assad so we didn't have the access to that economic output. And we were doing it to make sure that, oh, I don't know, ISIS doesn't get it again because in the very beginning of the war, ISIS was sending so much oil over to Turkey, and Turkey was exporting it, and they were making a lot of money. Which, which war are we so, talking about here? Which war? Syrian war. Syrian war. Okay, so this is new. I mean, I know about the, the first Iraq war under George Bush the Elder, the second Iraq war over Judge, with George Bush the Younger. You know, the Afghanistan war, which I guess was the younger, you know, keeping it, well, I guess, who knows when that started. Um, all I know is we were there after the Russians. But why, wh- where, why Syria? Why are we at war with Syria? What's, uh, how did that fit into this, this whole thing, which seems the opposite of the Abraham Accords that Trump had, which was pulling all these countries together with Israel to form a, a trade agreement. You're saying that uh, they had an agreement to, for the United States to take over. And Wesley Clark wasn't he some Vietnam stooge, you know, who was, was talking about uh, mass bombings and things? I mean, this guy loves war. He's part of the permanent war class. Um, so I want to know about him. And also Assad, if I remember, the, the Assad, Bashir Assad, is the son of uh, the Assad that was there when I was a kid. You know, so this is, this is a multi-generational uh, thing going on in Syria. But why Syria? Where is Syria, first of all? Syria is north of Israel. Um, they have contested territory in the area of the Golan Heights. Um, okay. They constantly, you know, sort of dispute the territory. And also Israel has been doing sort of uh, bombing shortings, shorties in uh, uh, Damascus, which is the capital of Syria as well. Mm-hmm. Um, did, Syria yeah, participate, um, uh, did Syria participate, for example, heavily in the 67 and 73 wars against Israel? Have they tried to destroy Israel? Well, I'm not exactly sure how much influence Hezbollah has inside Syria. Hezbollah no, really not, not Hezbollah, Lebanon. Syria. No, Syria, the nation itself. When Egypt went to war with Israel twice, in 67 and 73, was Syria, I think uh, Jordan was there too, to a certain extent, certainly in 67. 
um, but was Syria a major combatant trying to destroy Israel from, for example, the Golan Heights, where they could shoot down on Israelis very easily? That's why the Heights, that's why Netanyahu took them back. Um, I don't know what the current status is, but how, you know, what's the I'm history not of Syria? Crazy fluent in the Seven Day War back in what '67? Uh, is that what it was? Okay. Um, I'm not. I'm not terribly fluent in it. Just but, um, I do understand the new American century policy. I've been watching it for years. Um, but Syria is actually very closely knit with Iran. In fact, if you remember when Trump was president, there was a guy named uh, General Soleimani. Okay? He was the leader of the Quids Force. He was the leader of the Quids Force for Iran, which is essentially they're like Navy SEALs, I guess you could say. Um, did a very big move and uh, hit him with the hit him with a reaper drum. Well, he and killed him. That, <laughs> let's, yeah, let's be blunt. Trump up. killed him. Yep, yep. A very esteemed general for Iran. Yeah, he yeah. killed El Baghdadi. Be like killing Patton in World War II, kind of thing, right? Kind of like that, yeah. Um, okay. So um, there's a policy analyst <laughs> that died. Yeah. Um, his name was Zygna Brzezinski. And he oh. was um, a policy advisor for Jimmy Carter. Um, I'm not sure if he was a policy advisor for George H.W., but he was a special advisor to Obama. I know this. And he talked about a strategy that Iran was using in the area called the Red Crescent Strategy, which was an encirclement of all the allies that agreed with the United States. Okay. Um, for example, Iran has been sending weapons to Yemen with the Houthi rebels. Okay? Um, they have been uh, supporting Kurdish forces in southern Turkey, which they are just a, another sect of Islam for the most part, Sunni, Shiite, and Kurds. You know? um, and um, well, it was going Iraq to reach is. around to Lebanon and right. Syria. Yeah. We got right into Syria. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah, but this was the Red Crescent strategy that Iran was using. And oh. it was working till no lie, till Trump took out Soleimani. And that hmm. that demoralized the whole entire Quids Force and the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps. It, it really hit them home. And um they kind of said, okay, you know, we're not going to be able to take, there's a territory in Syria that is uh, still under United States backed rebel control. And I believe it is Idlib. I'm correct. Idlib. Um, it's a little, little strip of land. I think it's about 75 miles worth, but that's where a lot of the rebel activity exists and they can't quite get in there because um, United States presence in the area, they can't quite get in there. So when they took out Soleimani, they really, we really cut that crescent strategy out of the picture. But then Biden, Biden started upsetting Saudi Arabia quite a bit. Not going to lie. And let's, the transgender uh, issue that we. Oh, I heard something in the background. <laughs> Let me, um, let's backtrack a little bit here. So I'm looking up New sure. American Century. Uh, Wesley Clark, uh, this is from UCLA, says, Clark discussed in his latest book, Don't Wait for the Next War, a strategy for American growth and global leadership. Sounds like permanent war class. Sounds like John Bolton. 
uh, that kind of stuff. So UCLA, a liberal institution of higher learning, allegedly, uh, October 24th, 2014, by Catherine Schuchnecht, said, why is it that every organization in the world can have strategic plan except for the United States of America? Retired four-star Army General Wesley K. Clark asked rhetorically. Uh, Clark discussed in his book, don't wait for the next war. Yeah. In other words, cause one now. <laughs> this is what it sounds like, right? He says, there will always be a crisis, Clark said. Yeah, never let one go to waste, Rahm Emanuel said, right? But dealing with a crisis is not a strategy. Instead, the United States needs to focus on external challenges, strengthen the economy, and minimize domestic issues that divide the American people. Do we do that? Do we strengthen our economy and minimize domestic issues? I think just the opposite. Uh, I think the opposite, too. So Afghanistan was actually a very critical thing for the United States. Um, Why? How for anyone – so the strategy with Afghanistan was to encircle Iran, place military bases both in Iraq and Afghanistan to contain Iran, and which it worked. It, it did successfully work. But um, the other part of Afghanistan was rare earth metals. In fact, Afghanistan is sitting on a gold mine of rare earth metals. When yeah, Biden the, the pulled everyone out. You know, who marry five-year-olds. It's not like they're going to exploit them. <laughs> But China did. As soon as well, we left, China, China started signing deals in order to mine and extract these rare earth metals because wait, we wait, took wait, all wait, the money so, with so, us. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. So we're in this Afghanistan for 20 years, and we didn't take out a whole bunch of minerals ourselves? Why not? That was stupid. Uh, contested rebel regions, Taliban presence. Wait a minute. Those so areas how's China, there how was China very rocky, and the Taliban no, existed okay. in caves. Yeah, I know that, but uh, but why why is China able to take out weapons, uh, take out stuff, and we're not? And we didn't. We were there twenty years. We built Bagram Airfield that China now occupies. So we couldn't take out the minerals, and China is. Remember when we pulled out out of uh-huh. Afghanistan? The botched the botched pullout. We took I mean, the, the surrender with us. It's a surrender. Yeah. Let's call it by <laughs> surrender. Yeah, the surrender. When we surrendered in Afghanistan, um, we took the money with us, or at least the president did. And they were going through a very defunded famine at the time. And China went in and said, hey, you know, let us take these minerals out. We'll give you money. You can buy food for your people, you know, because um, if you control the food, you control the people. If you control the oil, you control the nation. It is uh, a geopolitical quote, I believe, by Henry Kissinger. Um, so China went in, gave them money. They bought food with it, and they – didn't necessarily stabilize their country, but they're bringing it back to what it was before. You know, just but we gave them money. We gave them money. Them. We gave them food. We gave them. We educated their women. <laughs> we, you know, we gave them all kinds of weapons. We trained them. We trained a lot of Afghan officers who end up shooting Americans in the back, or just shooting Americans who trusted them. And we didn't. You know, <laughs> we've got a history of supporting the wrong side all the time. There was no, I can't see any reason to be in Afghanistan. If Afghanistan was a problem, you do what Trump did. You go in, you kill the person that's a problem, you go home. Same with al-Baghdadi. You go in, you send in Conan the dog, you know, and if he's that big a threat to us, you kill him. Now, am I in favor of political assassination? No. But, uh, in fact, I'm still, I, I'm not even clear on the details of these two. However, it's one thing to... Uh, try and build an entire nation state out of a country that's never going to be the United States, in other words, Afghanistan, and pour in $6 trillion. And it's another thing to have one single operation taking out one single person that in the case of Suleimani, I know killed a whole bunch of Americans. So I understand that one. I'll back to that I don't know as much about. 
Soleimani hated Americans, killed Americans, and was apparently preparing to kill a whole bunch more. That's why Trump killed him. That makes sense. Well, El Baghdadi, El Baghdadi was the impromptu leader of ISIS. Uh, Soleimani was the Iranian uh, Quds Forces uh, general. Um, but the, the Taliban was so difficult to fight because they would head over to Pakistani territory, which all that mountain range over on the east side of that country, and we lose kind of that jurisdiction, and they hide in caves. You know? And it works out kind of in Pakistan's benefit, too, because a lot of these people are culturally linked because of Islam, okay, uh, Sharia, et cetera, and mm-hmm. they, they feel as if they can influence them more because they're more culturally linked. So when we pulled out, even, even Pakistan was like, all right, you know, we can, we can go in there and we can start influencing some things. You know, maybe they might get their hands on a little bit of those rare earth metals in there because there's a lot. There's a Wait. lot of rare earth metals. There's another problem, too. Why did anybody think that we could, quote, fight the Taliban and change anything. The Taliban is the people. The Taliban is the goat herders marrying five-year-olds living in caves. True. Why would you True. fight them? Why would you, why would you be there to fight them? They're not going to come here. They're not going to do anything here. If they're sheltering terrorists, then you kill the terrorists. You don't kill them. Leave them alone. Leave them in their whole miserable country, you know, godforsaken place in the middle of uh, the hot desert alone. Why? True. In the very in, in the very beginning in the very beginning of Operation Enduring Freedom, freedom, which was the initial invasion of Afghanistan. Enduring. They've um, never had freedom in Afghanistan. It's never been a free country. No, you, we you tried to give them freedom, and they said no. Well, you can't you can't give people freedom who don't want it themselves. They think they are free. Yeah. They're happily herd goats, marrying five year olds, and living in caves. That's okay. That's, well, I mean, it's not okay with the five-year-olds, but I'm just saying. But if they want to have uh, that kind of society and a culture, I don't care. Except for the kids. What, what is it? What, why, would we, why would we be there? What were we trying to accomplish? What was the excuse? Containing Iran. Containing Iran. So, okay. So we never heard that. Hear we heard... We heard that this that they were they were housing Pakistan and they were they were you know like Pakistan they were housing terrorists they they were the ones that were hiding Osama bin Laden that's what we heard we didn't hear anything about containing Iran that's all new. Well, just remember Osama bin Laden was found outside Islamabad, which is the capital of Pakistan. Okay. But, no, this well, is, unless he was this killed years earlier. I want to earlier, I wanna which, talk about was, too. Uh, um, this is what I in when I when I said that strategy of like containment of Iran, um, military oh. presence in both Iraq and Afghanistan, which is both sides of Iran. Um, the Iraq-Iran war that happened, what, 82, something like that? The Iraq-Iran war, there's nothing but mountain ranges at the very border of Iraq and Iran. So geography determines nations. Literally, the borderline of Iraq going into Iran is nothing but just heavy mountains. You can't really move through mountains too well when it comes to, I guess you could say, an invasionary force. You know, you can't do that. But the other side in Afghanistan, you could. So that was something that we thought about. But at the same time, on the, that, that would have been, that would have became a two-front war because you had the Taliban on the east side and the south too. And if you started a conflict going to Iran, you're creating a two, if not three-front war 
which mm-hmm. historically does not bode well for the person who's defending the fronts. Well, first of all, or, if you're going to yeah. contain Iran, you have to be in a country that's around Iran. That would be Afghanistan, Iraq, and those others. I don't know who else you're going well, to. Hang on. Let me get a map. Turkey and Armenia. Second. All right. Hang on. Let me, let me get my map here so I can see where Iran is. So here's my question, though. You've got Afghanistan. You've got uh, Turkmenistan. You've got uh, the Balkans up north. Um, you've got uh, Russia. <laughs> okay. Uh, you've got Turkey. You've got Iraq. You've got the Persian Gulf. You've got Pakistan. That's, that's who's around Iran. So my question is, we're not in Turkmenistan. Afghanistan was a total waste. Pakistan is Islamic. They're not going to support us. The Persian Gulf is water. Oman, Saudi Arabia on the other side, uh, Iraq, uh, Turkey, uh, they're sort of NATO members, kind of, you know, maybe. Uh, and then you've got some other places there. And then you've got Russia. We do have military bases in Turkmenistan on the border of uh, mm. Afghanistan. So we, we do have a military presence in Turkmenistan, just not as big as Afghanistan. I mean, Afghanistan was a full-blown invasion. Okay. So we have a military presence there too. And Turkey's a participating NATO member. And Azerbaijan kind of sympathizes with us while Russia and Iran support Armenia. So oh, yeah, because the Armenian really genocide, Azerbaijan and, Azerbaijan and the Turks killed, you know, two million Armenians. <laughs> you know, they're not going to support anybody that supports them. Why, why, they're, they're, you know, the Armenians are going to run away from, from Turkey if, if they're supported by NATO. That was just a stupid mistake. But let me ask you a question, though. How can you have, on the one hand, the Obama policy of getting Iran a nuclear bomb as quickly as possible, giving them billions and billions and billions of dollars in cash, getting rid of any economic sanction, doing everything to make them as powerful as possible, while at the same time invading all the other countries around them to supposedly continue that. That's like, that's like uh, what I call the, the accelerator and the brake theory of inflation. You know, government spending and borrowing is the accelerator and high interest rates are the brake. You go nowhere except you squeal your tires. Well, same thing here. If you create, if you have a situation where you've got a bomb being built in Iran by U.S. aid and billions in cash, at the same time you're saying you're you're surrounding Iran with the military to contain them, you're on the accelerator and the brake. The accelerator is the bomb, and the brake is all all our investment in all these other countries to have the military there. You can't do it. That's irrational. It is. When it came to the Iran deal, when John Kerry was trying to negotiate it, et cetera, um, I think it was more about having Iran feel like it could participate in the the petrodollar world trade situation. And for anyone who doesn't know, the petrodollar is um, barrels of oil around the world. Not not much anymore. It's changing pretty fast. Um, Used to be only priced in U.S. dollars. So whenever you had to buy a barrel of oil, let's say I'm trying to buy it with euros or um, rubies or anything, you would have to exchange your um, rubies or euros for U.S. dollars in order to buy that barrel of oil. Okay, and that that that, that was the petrodollar uh, agreement that everyone kind of agreed, kind of after Bretton Woods in 1979, the Iranian situation. Um, if I think when it came to John Kerry and Barack Obama and I, I think it was Hillary Clinton, too. Uh, she was Secretary of State till Benghazi. Um, was to have Iran participate in the petrodollar because 
if they started trading in wands, it would require less participation in the U.S. dollar, and therefore other people would look and be like, okay, the United States is a lot of money in debt. Okay. Um, the real value of the U.S. dollar is not what it seems to be. It's only the reserve currency status. And, yeah, I mean, if you had them participate in the petrodollar uh, exchange, you would have more leverage on world oil and natural gas exports. I think Iran does something like 12%. That's 12%. You know, that's still quite a big chunk. So okay, so wait, wait, wait. That, where are we going with this? Where where are we going? Okay, give me give me the conclusion. Let me I see if I can uh, if we can lead it to there. Yeah, go ahead, Bianchi. Yeah, the whole premise is to get off of fossil fuels, like we see is being implemented in the United States. Why the concern about the petrodollar? And another thing, rare earth materials require the uses of a lot of energy, and one of the byproducts is a lot of pollution in order to process it. So why are they using it? So I believe on another uh, radio uh, show that you did, I kind of talked about uh, nuclear fission or fusion. I always get the two mixed up. But um, we use nuclear well, I can explain uh, it. I can, fission pretty, right now. People should know the difference. Fission is when you divide an atom, you split an atom, and release energy. And fusion is when you combine atoms and you release even more energy. You're right. How's You're that? Right. We're, we're about to have an energy breakthrough when it comes to nuclear fusion. Okay. We're, we're going mm-hmm. to have a lot of free energy available, and that's free mm. electricity. It's not free oil. It's not free natural gas. And um, I'm pretty sure the U.K. even said that they plan on having a nuclear fusion plant by 2030. Um, when it comes to technology, the military is two generations of technology ahead of anything the consumer even has, if not maybe more. So um, well, that's not if right. we can transition, <laughs> if we can they transition, have we don't have. <laughs> if, if we could transition to electric vehicles, it would defund the commodity exports of both Iran um, Russia, which has the whole Siberian landscape that it could just reap for natural resources. Um, wait, 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 wait. Hold on a second. Hold on. What do you mean transition to electric? Why would we want to transition to electric vehicles? Most of the times they use organic fuel, yeah. you know, petroleum, you know, which is coal, natural gas, and elect- you know, natural gas and oil to make electricity. Okay. Most of the electricity is generated by what they're calling fossil, what I call organic fuels, uh, or uranium. The, the idea of solar and wind is, is pretty much a myth. Uh, cold fusion is a great idea, uh, but we're, we're, I think we're still a ways from it, but I think that's going to happen. But why would, you want to, why would you want to transition to electric cars simply to affect foreign policy? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it don't make any sense. Why would you want to affect foreign policy against Russia and Iran at the expense of American workers, and especially those Americans that derive pensions and benefits from their oil industry as their yeah. survival needs? Yeah, I'm with Bianchi on this. Sorry. Well, we 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 talked about um, the infrastructure of um, no 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 get back to the question no 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 get back no 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 I'm I mean this you have to set up a technological um, advancement and you have to transition to it if we don't start now 
before nuclear fusion You're missing the point. Why do we have to transition to it? Why do you want to require the American people to purchase electric cars that can only be bought by Americans with subsidies because we don't want them, that use the fuels that already exist for cars naturally without having to transition, if you use that term, which seems to be popular on the show today, um, from the, the fuel that comes out of the ground to electricity? But they're still using the fuel. Ultimately, these cars are still powered on the fuel that comes out of the ground. So what transition are you actually making? The start of the technical tra- uh, technological transition. But why would you do Electrical that? wheel batteries aren't that efficient yet. Tesla's have the best. But if okay, you don't start... If you're able to want them, um, if you want them, I don't care if you want them, but you're talking about a transition for everybody. Why should we do that? Where, where, did, where did the Constitution go? Where did our free will go? Where did our, where our consumer choice go? Where's the fact that we have, and I actually put this in our Australian Bill of Rights, is one of the rights is the use to, of the energy of your choice. Why should the government determine what energy source we use when multiple energy sources are available? I don't want to go to monopower. I don't want one source of our energy that's metered through smart meters that the government can ration. They can ration your car. They can ration your house. They can ration your business. They can ration anything they want. The more dependent on that single monopower we become, electricity, the more the control the government has over us. So just for our freedom alone, we should have multiple fuel vehicles. We should have hydrogen power, gas power, diesel power. Uh, maybe the Stanley Steamer might want to come back. The electric cars for those that want them. But why would you limit our choices? Right. You know, and the government wants to transition to a communist state. You know, you, you, you said this, you know, the, the liberal left wants to bankrupt the United States and then rebuild it into a communist socialist um, landscape. If they well, can control the electricity. <laughs> this is part of it. If they can control the electricity, they can shut a car down. They could, they could instantly shut exactly. it down. You know. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, well, I mean, let's get to Pianchi because uh, he, he has a similar question. Pianchi, why don't you ask your question again? Well, the thing still, is, still, is, is, is that Americans have sacrificed and bent over backwards to curb emissions. The industry has done the same thing and done a great job at it. Now we're going to be punished and be forced to get involved in something that they otherwise would not get involved in. It really doesn't make any sense on the long run, being the fact that some of these organic fuels, we have supplies that would take us out 500 years from now. Who knows when we'd be around anyway? So it doesn't make any sense. If Russia and Iran wants to use petrol, leave them alone. I agree. <laughs> I'm not going to say no, you don't. that you're not right. <laughs> you I'm not going to say that you're not you right. I'm just saying Paris. our government is pushing us in this direction. Mm, you, you said know, we I, have to transition. No, hold on. And I'm not mad at you. I'm not. I'm not trying to put you on the spot. Why well, I'm trying to put you on the spot? But what I'm saying is this. This is a good, healthy debate here because you said we have to transition to electric cars. I want to know why we have to transition. Reliance on other countries' oil and natural gas, Russia specifically, and um, that's. It's okay, not so I agree. With you. All right, so wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. So just back up a few years. Back up to when gas was a dollar eighty-five a gallon under Trump. We had we had fracking. We had oil exploration. We had all kinds of federal lands where were completely open. They actually had oil under them. Were open to exploration, drilling. We had the Keystone Pipeline in operation. We had complete energy dominance. We were exporting 
natural gas and oil. There's so much natural gas and oil in this country that we are exporting it, which means we have more than enough for ourselves. There's absolutely no reason to transition to electric cars when we have more than enough gasoline and oil, which power most of the plant, power plants anyway, you know, and let, let the Russians and the other folks you know, figure out their own economy. We're not, we should not be in the business of regulating the world's economy. First of all, it's too expensive. Secondly, we can't do it. So the, so the proper policy that I see is to go back to the Trump policy of having open energy so we can choose the energy source we want based on the price and based on our own usage. And the fact that, as Pianchi said, the cars are so much cleaner than they used to be. You know, you look at a 1965 Chevy Impala compared to, uh, you know, a modern car today. In fact, most cars are a four-cylinder and six. They used to be V8s back then. The air is so much cleaner. I remember, listen, I'm old enough to remember Los Angeles in 1970 flying in there in one of the very first 747s. It was gray approaching black. It was so dark. And it was all pollution. Well, that's not there anymore. The environmentalists won. They cleaned up the environment. So producing, you know, so driving a car that uh, runs on electricity produced by uh, oil, coal, and natural gas, and, dr- and driving a car that runs on gas, it's the same fuel. So all you've done is made it more complicated for people by putting the, the energy from, instead of going from the ground to the car, you've gone from the ground to the power plant to the car. Well, that doesn't make any sense. So when it comes to opening up um, federal land in order uh, to be able to extract oil and stuff like that, uh-huh. what, what, what I think, what I think is a majority of our military infrastructure when it comes to tanks, when it comes to jets, you know, everything like that, um, all of it uses oil. Okay? All of it is run with oil, whether you create jet fuel, whether you create um, diesel, et cetera. We're okay. losing our status as the petrodollar and the reserve currency. Everyone's wait, kind of wait, wait, waking wait. up to this right you now. You've got two different things here. You've got, you've got the military uses fuel, which you established, and then you said we're yep. losing the petrodollar, which you've established, but those two are not related. You've got, you've got two totally separate subjects. You said two things that were true and assuming that they're related to each other, and you haven't made a connection yet. Sorry, I'm a little scatterbrained you know, sometimes. You know, I'm a little scatterbrained. I got a lot of knowledge in this head, and I have to. Okay, you know, no, no, see, no. You, you have a lot of assumptions. Your assumptions make sense. You know another thing too. But, you've got to, but we're challenging you. those assumptions. Go ahead, Bianchi. Another thing in your statement, you said federal land. Those lands belong to the states. I was waiting for that. Yes. If, <laughs> if they are opening up, if they are opening up drilling in Alaska and selling lease leases the federal government, that money, $4 billion, should go to the states, not the federal government. Don't they have enough money to waste as it is? Alaska runs a balanced budget. So wouldn't that $4 billion look better in the pockets of America, Alaskan taxpayers than going to the federal government? Federal government is not supposed to own land. Those are states' land. Yep, I agree. Well, wait a minute. Wait, um, you just defended it as federal land for the military. You can't have it both ways. Don't feel picked on just because two of us. Bianca and I talk a lot about these issues. But how can you have federal land for the military and then agree that it's state land? Because a lot of it doesn't make sense. A lot of it well, doesn't make sense. Uh, it's, overreach it government on, okay. it's overreach of the federal government on states. Okay? It, it, it does exist. It does exist. And to open up that drilling up in Alaska, Biden signed an executive order to do it. That's a, that's a federal decision. So wait, 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 wait. Stop right there. 
What is so Biden signed an executive order to do what? He he's opening up uh, more areas in Alaska in order to be able to extract oil and natural gas. No, he's not. He's, Biden's closing off areas. He's not opening up areas. He's the one that restricted all the federal land, the state land in the first place. He's the one that canceled the Keystone Pipeline. I'm pretty sure he signed it last week. Uh, which, what's the executive order? Tell me. I'll look it up right now. Tell me which one. Looking. Okay. Looking at it right now. Pull up a window here. <laughs> Biden opened up Alaska. He does. The, I've been to Alaska. I've, I've flown up over the, the Anwar. I've been up to, uh, in fact, I took my, my daughter there, the Anitubic Pass, 150 miles north of the Arctic Circle. We're only about 100 miles from Prudhoe Bay. I don't know exactly Which what that land is like. It's tundra. So let's look at Biden signs. Hang on. Biden signs. Executive order opening up Alaska to drilling. <laughs> Alaska. A-L-A-S-K-A to oil. Step around my microphone. It's hard. Oh, okay. Here it is. The Biden administration approved the massive Willow Oil Project in Alaska on Monday, and this is March 13, 2023, uh, rejecting pleas from environmental groups and some nearby tribal communities to block the development they fear will threaten pristine wildlife and undermine the president's promise to fight climate change. And that comes from Politico. Oh. Yeah, I got a bunch of sources here all say the same thing. NPR, CNN, liberal sources say Biden isn't even in the conservative sources. I haven't even seen this. So New York Times, how Biden got from no more drilling to backing the interesting, except they don't, uh, I don't subscribe to the New York Times. Let's see what the Hill says. Hang on. No, I'm, I'm curious about this now. So you got to go past the liberal sources and get to the news. <clears throat> so what the Hill says. Well, you know, the uh, Hill says. These environmentalists, well, these environmentalists, you got the federal EPA and you got the state EPA. That should be up to the state EPA. Any drilling that's going on and in, 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 out into the ocean that's bounded on a line which is the perimeter of each state, well, any revenue that's derived that's going to the federal government, that should be going to the state. It should be going to the state of Louisiana, not to the federal government. That's where, in fact, lies the problem. You want to raise the taxes of citizens in these states at the same thing time you want to deny them of the revenue that they should be enjoying from the production of natural gas and oil in their state and in their boundaries. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know whether it's to refill the strategic oil reserve or buy boat buy boats for the twenty twenty four election because gas prices affect elect election cycles significantly. I, I don't know if it's a play on both those, but like I said, Biden Biden signed an executive order for it, and kind of had me going like, "Huh, what's the point of this?" You know, but well, he can only sign an executive order when it's based on a statute. Okay, so did Congress have a bill that opens this land up ahead of time? Because presidents cannot make policy; they can only enforce policy. <laughs> so is this, is this like uh, see? The opposite was done with uh, all the folks from Carter to Obama. They used the uh, the Antiquities Act, which was designed to set aside small, you know, national monuments like the Muir Woods, which is one mile long. It's outside San Francisco up in Marin County. Beautiful redwoods. It's, it's uh, one of the most visited redwood places in the world because they're close to San Francisco and, and all the tourists get to fly in there. 
Okay, that's a national monument. That's a good thing. That was done under the Antiquities Act. Of course, that was dubiously passed uh, by Teddy Roosevelt. Now, what uh, what folks from Carter to uh, Obama have done is set aside by executive order millions upon millions upon millions of acres, not only of land, but of ocean, you know, off the coast under the Antiquities Act, which is clearly illegal. And yet they're allowed to get away with it. So is this something that was authorized by Congress or is this something that Brandon has done by executive order, uh, which he cannot do unless it's backed by by statutory law, by a law passed by Congress? I'm pretty Wait, sure you may not know the executive order. I don't. I don't think it was sponsored and passed by House and Senate. I'm, I'm pretty sure because legal. I would. I would have at least found co-sponsors, at least some people advocating for the use of it. I mean, I'm even reading uh, Lisa Murkowski, which is a Democrat uh, from Alaska, the senator, and she's a little bit like, "What's going on?" Uh, she believed the legal argument was the turning point for Mr. Biden. Um, what legal argument? There was no way around the fact that these were existing lease rights, she said. The administration was going to have to deal with that reality, and I believe it comes down to ConocoPhillips, that's right, the, that's the company. oil company that was trying to start that Willow project. Conoco, which means Connecticut or, or Continental Oil Company? I think it's Continental Oil Company. That's what Conoco is. Phillips, Phillips Petroleum, I guess they merged. Uh, they all they're all they all go back to standard oil uh, from uh, Rockefeller eventually, you know, eventually when you get back far enough. All right. So here's my question. So Brandon, Brandon knows that he's run out of the strategic petroleum reserve. He knows that his election is dependent on low gas prices. He also knows that his election is dependent on all the environmental donors who contribute to his campaign and contribute to other de- uh, Democrats. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So the only way that he can satisfy that he can't satisfy both groups because the oil because uh, the folks that want to drive cars want, you know, gas at a decent price. In other words, under three gallons, people are willing to pay two something, three something. If they get worried for something, they get rebellious, five something. They're in the streets. Um, that's how it works under $2. We're really happy. That's where we want to be. We want to have gas under $2 is the best place for gas prices to be. Dollar five with Trump had was great. So Brandon knows, that it was okay with the environmentalists when he's getting rid of the strategic petroleum reserve because he was getting rid of the strategic petroleum reserve. They don't want petroleum in our system at all. So they were happy with that. The voters were happy because it lowered the price. It lowered it artificially, though. Basically, it was, it was draining our savings bank for oil. So now you have the situation where he's got uh, an election where he thinks he's going to be running again. He never actually won the first time. We know that. Um, but he wants to run again, and he wants to have as part of his platform you know, this wonderful energy thing. So he's actually going against his own environmentalists to open up Alaska by executive order, which is something he can't do, uh, but they're going to let him do it anyway, because uh, it's probably a good thing to do. But this is, how, this is why he's doing it. So this is purely election politics. This is, the only thing he cares about is power and election politics. He doesn't want people driving gasoline cars. He said just the opposite. He says we're going to, you know, cause all this climate change, which, of course, is a myth. So that's why he's doing it. Yeah, it's just politics. I agree. Okay. If, you, if Ukraine escalates, if Ukraine escalates and it needs more, I guess you could say, help, um, China's influence in setting that peace agreement and everything and letting Russia keep the territories that it's annexed and Donetsk and Lugansk and Crimea, of course, um, China has influence. Venezuela owes China $79 billion. In fact, I did my research yesterday. I 
It was $79 billion they owe them. Venezuela doesn't agree to keep selling oil or letting Chevron come into Venezuelan oil and um, work with the PVDSA, I believe. Um, then we're going to need backups. You know, that the whole reason we we agreed to open Venezuela's oil industry back up to the United States is because we're now supplying Europe with natural gas and we got to give them oil too. You know, we, we got to do something. Okay. Wait a minute. You're, you're, you're all over the place again. Give me a coherent policy. I know. What's the I know. objective? Okay. So here's, here's my, here's my, uh, here's my question for you. Okay. So you're stating facts. You're, you're talking about different things. You're, you're trying to combine subjects. We don't really finish the subject and then you move on to another one. And we haven't, uh, we haven't established, uh, we're not, we're not, there's no, there's no logical chain of, of, uh, there's no connection here. Like in the first two hours, I connected everything, everything, <laughs> you know, so, but now you're completely disconnected. So I need you to connect. Yeah. Give me a goal. Give me, give me something that you want to talk about and then give me evidence leading up to your conclusion. Yeah. We provide Europe with natural gas where in California, you're going to make it a fine if anybody use a present natural gas stove. So yeah, and why why would Brandon open up oil to us and then blow up the Nord Stream pipeline so that Russia can't supply Europe with natural gas, especially since we're not producing enough because we've cut back on our own supply? How does that fit into the geopolitical argument? Thank this you. is live radio. You have to answer. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Okay, well, work faster. We, we Sorry, need to, we need to be able to. We, we got to increase our productivity. We've got to increase our productivity. No, no, go back. No, no, no. Go back to the subject we're talking about. And Pianchi, if you have a question, feel okay. free. Why did we blow up the why did Brandon blow up the Nord Stream pipeline when he's cut our own energy supplies we can export to Europe? What's the geopolitical significance of blowing up that pipeline? Why do you do it? Vasselhood. To what control a majority of the economic input in the European Union because Germany's elect uh, Germany's elect, uh, energy production is like 80% natural gas, and now they're opening up coal plants or opening up um, nuclear plants, and they need to they need to figure out a way to subsidize or alleviate their dependency on Russia. So blowing up Nord Stream two was to tell Russia you ain't working in Europe no more. Okay, but and now we got to fill in the gap. So, so wait, 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 wait. What do you think Russia's going to do about that? That's a war crime. That's an act of war. Well, it's not a war crime, but it's an act of war against Russia blowing up their pipeline. I mean, we're kind of at war already, you know? I mean, wait, 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 we're sending yeah, billions of dollars in equipment to Ukraine. Hold, hold on. We're, uh, was the war declared and I missed it? Pianchi, go ahead. Yeah, at the same time, you buy an oil for petroleum from Russia. All this stuff don't make any damn sense. It's hard to, you know, we ain't trying to jump on you, but you, you hear it action radio. People hear it pretty more astute than the normal runner of the deal radio program podcast. We lay it on the table, and it doesn't make sense. The pieces doesn't fit together. They don't make sense. Fair. Anyway, I'm going to dip out of here. I'm going to dip out of here. Okay, that's fair enough. I gotta to talk to Bianca anyway. Hey, thanks for, for, for contributing. I appreciate it. Hey, not a problem. You have a great day. All right. Thank you. Okay, I don't want to take another break. We only got about eight or nine minutes left. Um I think that uh what you said is critical, that we don't 
take stuff at face value. We just don't. And this is a this is, um, a tactic I see used all the time that people will say two or three things that individually are true, and and let people make the assumption that because those two or three individual things are true, that the third that the fourth thing that they mention must be true also. And that's not, that's that's a false debate tactic. That's a, that's a, a completely misleading way of doing things. Well, they also make things on book cover pretense, but they never get into details and ask, give me a detail. Yeah. And that's because they snow over the listeners. The listeners are snowed in a common street term. Mm-hmm. Not on this show. I mean, the reason I wanted to let that go on as long as I, as I did is because it is really illustrative of, of how information is presented. And when it's presented on, on most shows, you get like a two-minute soundbite. You can, you can say two things that individually are true. Say a third thing. Let the assumption try to be made that the, the third thing is true because the first two things are true, even though none of them are related. You know, that was a great illustration of that. But uh, it's true. Yeah, it, it, You come on my like show. Back to this yeah. This stuff about federal land. Those mm-hmm. state lands. Could you imagine what the citizenry in Alaska would look like if they had that $4 billion that mm. the federal government is claiming when it opened up state land for all exploration and extraction? That money should be going to the state of Alaska. It should be going to the state of Louisiana. Yeah, see, that's the question. Where Where is the money going? Where are the royalties going? Are they going to Alaska? You would think that if royalties no, were going, going to Alaska, to they would announce it. Wouldn't, wouldn't they announce it? Or you think it's going to Ukraine? Oh, no, that's an interesting thought. Is this Ukraine that's oil? what's going on, Greg. It's okay. obvious. It's, it's the nose on your face if people can look beyond that. Hey, you taking state land, money from a U.S. citizen, Funded in Ukraine to protect mm-hmm. its borders, U.S. citizens' borders are wide open. What would that look like if you had to build the wall of protection on the southern border and the northern border, if you really want to talk about that, too? Hmm. I'm just writing down Willow Oil Project, you know, oil to Ukraine. I'm going to have to do some investigating on that. Yeah, but part of the, uh, of the fascination for me is this whole idea of geopolitics, which I don't agree with. Um, but that doesn't mean I don't want to have it on the show. Uh, but uh, this idea that uh, we have to affect the world's policy, the new American century, the, the, the globalists, that it's our job to keep NATO. It's our job to control Europe. It's our job to control Germany's economy. We can't do any of that stuff. None of that makes sense to me. You know, the best thing we should do is build a strong economy. And if people want to trade with us, we trade with them. You know, if uh, if we need to take military action in a foreign place, we, we don't need a base there. We just need a treaty. You know, if we need to do something with North Korea, I'm sure we have we have a treaty arrangement, arrangement with Japan uh, and South Korea where you can use their bases. We don't need a base. We don't need Okinawa. We, we don't need Ramstein, Germany. You know, Germany's an ally. If we have a problem, you know, somewhere that requires us to be in Germany, then we say to Germany, hey, we want to, you know, share one of your bases. They're like, yes or no. If they say no, then we don't do it. You know, we go somewhere else or don't do the policy at all. Chances are I don't do it at all. You know, but all this stuff, but, but the question never gets answered. Why were we in Afghanistan? Well, I've never heard anybody say to contain Iran. I've never heard that before. And that doesn't make Even sense. How Hillary do you contain Trump Iran? Said that the U.S. created the Taliban, remember? 
Uh, who said, oh, who, Claire Lopez said that, or who said it? Hillary Clinton said that. And I sent you a, a, a link uh, of a pictures of all the equipment that Joe Biden left in Afghanistan for the oh, I've Taliban. Seen it. Yeah, you I've seen should it. look at that. Let me look at oh, that. I've, I've seen it. So let me ask you a question, Greg. Sure. What are they going to use that equipment for? Will United States go back again fighting the Taliban as well equipment with U.S. made equipment that was left by Joe Biden? I'll tell you what I think they did it for. I think that this is an Obama destruction of the United States. He left that he left our most advanced equipment there purposefully so that Russia and China would capture it and study it, reverse engineer it, and find ways to combat it. It's Obama's way of destroying the United States. So you take all of our why would we've never done this before. We've never left our I don't think we even use our best equipment, you know, over in different places. Well depending on what's going on. But the biggest reason I think to completely the the, the way they did the surrender, the surrender was a was a was a weapons gift to the Taliban so they could keep control. It's a weapons gift to the Muslim world um, because, you know, it cost us a fortune. We left all those weapons there. They could then sell them and make a fortune off that. And it was a, it was a weapons gift to China and Russia. So, again, they could study our weapons, reverse engineer our weapons, and learn how to defeat them. That's what I think that was about. So geopolitically, How insane. many cargo loads? It must be at least 1,500 vehicles. Mm-hmm. That I've seen in the picture. How many cargo loads of C forty one, C sixty forty seven did it take in order to deliver that volume of just trucks alone? We ain't talking about the other stuff. <laughs> and what kind of expense was associated oh, with C-7- that? C seventeen's the jet. Yeah, I, I don't know because they weren't shipped in, or were they shipped in? Were they shipped in and driven? They I couldn't have been shipped in. You talking about a landlocked area? Oh, Afghanistan. Yeah, they had to have been. Uh, well, Bagram. Well, so, so why would you give away Bagram Airport? You know that apparently, as, as Trump says, that airport was an hour away from where China built their nuclear weapons. That was the perfect strategic thing. We should have kept Bagram no matter what. You know, I'm sure we could have defended Bagram against the Taliban goat herders marrying their five-year-old, uh, you know, five-year-olds and holding, and herding goats. I mean, I'm sure we could defend against them. So this is and hope, but this idea of containing you know, Iran, uh, you cannot give Iran, you can't give Iran a nuclear bomb. And say you're containing them. You're doing just the opposite. That didn't make sense. And what Hunter Biden has done, you know, that was a, a black person by the name of Jake Simmons. He was a Muscovy Creek Indian out of Texas, hmm. Houston. He was a political power broker. And get this, he was an attaché, attaché between Americans, major oil companies at the time, uh, mobile. Standard oil to African countries, that being Nigeria, because Ghana did not have the technology in order to discover like they had recently. Mm-hmm. He done the same thing that Hunter Biden does. He got paid in the between. Right. But he done it legally, where Hunter Biden has done it by using the influences of his father in the position that he had with the government. Interesting. Yeah. Now, the Hunter Biden thing is pretty incredible, too. Well, it's a double standard. You know, Republicans get investigated. Democrats don't. Um, murderers who they want to identify as uh, Christian American, patriotic, especially white males, uh, get blamed. 
uh, people who murder who are identified identify themselves as transgender uh, are victims. I mean, it's a strange world we live in. But, uh, you know, I think we accomplished a lot the first couple of hours. Yeah. I think we accomplished a lot in terms of debate, uh, of strategy of debate. So, so we sort of took care of the geopolitical. And this is why I don't respect the geopolitical attitude a lot of times, because the permanent war class wants us to be at war, that thinks we can regulate everybody's economy, that thinks that, uh, you know, as opposed to the Trump view, which is treaties and alliances. That's what the Abraham Accords is about. Trump believes in, in treaties and alliances and honoring those, you know. And, uh, but he doesn't believe in being at war everywhere like the permanent war class does, that wants NATO, they want all of Europe to belong to NATO simply to start a war with Russia. These people are insane. Anyway. Well, all of them are crazy, even Israel. Israel had a program to bring back Ethiopians into Israel, Ethiopian Jews, the Agua, hmm. better Israel. And he made all the men, Israel made all the males recircumcised. Oh, jeez. And that's it's called that's Operation dumb. Moses. Operation Moses? So they're evil too. I can think they of a different name for it, anyway, but I can't say it on the air. <laughs> There's a different name, but yeah, we can't say it. Anyway, yeah, Operation. Yeah, okay, exactly. Uh, and what is it? Operation Moses. There's several of them. Airlift. Yeah, the airlift they, people. Oh, my God. See, the reason that they do that on, on uh, boys like their, what, first day of life is because they're too young to object. You know, if you said if you went to any any uh, male, you know, over five, hey, guess what we want to do to you? What, are you crazy? No, they were wrong men, man. Yeah, it's even worse. Yeah, you know. Okay, it, look, I'll we, come to uh, you. Okay, today is Wednesday. I'll see you again tomorrow. So you know, time goes past with you. You <laughs> also <laughs> have an uncanny way of wording things, which is a trait that many don't have. That's a okay, tell me. Let's do, well, thank you. Let's take a minute. What, like uh, calling transgendered altered? No, you have a way of wording things, which is, like I say, it's a blessing because uh-huh. uh, you make it plain. Anyway, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Well, thanks very much, Pianke. I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk tomorrow. So tomorrow I have no idea what I'm doing. Sure. I, have, I have a completely open show again. <laughs> Good, thank you. Uh, it's, uh, it's another one. Well, the biggest thing coming up, and we're going to talk about this Friday, is the, is the two-year anniversary uh, of a bill I wrote to put full product uh, liability on vaccine makers. It would have solved virtually every problem we're having with COVID today two years ago. And the fact that uh, a whole bunch of people know about it and won't advocate it um, is rather scary. One person who has been advocating it, Dr. Judy Mikovits, just texted me during the show. I'm going to get back to her now. Hopefully, she'll be on to talk about it. But she's one of the very few, very few, who are openly saying, we need vaccine product liability. And where are the rest of you? All the doctors have been on the show. All the politicians have been on the show. Senior Trump advisors have been on the show. Media people have been on the show. All the folks I've contacted, the people I've been on their show. Where are you? Where are you on this? Because I can't advocate this alone. Judy can't advocate it alone. We need thousands of people across the country advocating liability for vaccine makers. The bill's two years old. How much, how much longer do you want to wait? On that note, let me uh, finish up for today. Come back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time with uh, who knows? <laughs> Every day is different here. Um, but uh, the website you're li- listening to now, blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. Our legislative website is writeyourlaws.com. It's W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, Right. 
Let me slow down. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. WriteYourLaws.com. My articles are at gregpenglis.substack.com, explaining everything. At least I try to. And if you want to contribute, give, send, go.com slash action radio. I think I've played everything I could uh, except our ending music. So let me find my my musical theme for today. And I will see you all tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Central Time.